there's no way out I've got to show them what I've become And there's no doubt Got my back to the wall and I'm still hanging on There's no way out I've made my choice Troubles in my life have been all the same With a strain in my mind getting hurt again There's a pain in my heart but it's just a game Gotta get over it, won't go insane Won't achieve anything while I'm down Don't wanna give out my heavyweighted frown I'm stopping this now, I'ma turn it around Heaven's on the ground, now I'm looking at the clouds Gonna make a change like a change, bigger getting changed Gonna stay the same with my mind frame rearranged Gonna wash the blue out my mind and my eyes Was I blind in my mind? Cause that was old times Cause I'm starting fresh with a clear vision You can even spell my name in optimism Just track the M's, an I and the P And then what you're left with is me Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's live episode of the Zod Rider Show. I am Zod Rider, and with me tonight, co-hosting the Zod Rider Show for the second time this year, is Mr. Johnny Alpha from the Roundtable Show. Welcome, Johnny. Oh, it's great to be here, man. And with, with the topic, I'm really excited to be here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great tonight, man. You and I are going to be talking about none other than Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And you and I both seen it, and we're both like-minded on this, that it is a fantastic film, and we both enjoyed it so much that we felt it necessary to do an episode tonight to discuss the awesomeness of Star Wars Rogue One. There is going to be spoilers. We are going to discuss the film in length. So, yeah, it's um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to tell you not to listen, but, I mean, like... It might not be best. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, I think it would be necessary 100% uh, for anybody who has not seen Rogue One uh, to maybe wait until the podcast is uploaded to the uh, Zod Rider Show SoundCloud page on PSN for PSN Radio because we are going to have the, have the show uploaded uh, probably within a day or so of tonight's episode so you will get a chance to listen to the podcast so if you haven't seen rogue one we don't want to be the ones to spoil it for you so we're letting you know ahead of time i i mean i i just i i don't know i'm so excited i johnny i don't even know where to begin i i think i think this is the i can honestly say this is one of the star wars movies if the not star if not the star wars movie that i have been personally waiting to see my entire life i think it's it's i think it's wonderful and it shows that a star wars movie can be made outside of and around the skywalker saga without being completely enslaved by it so what do you think johnny Uh, this movie puts the war in star wars there's no defense or buts about it i mean this thing is just stripped down it's brutal um it's I don't know you you get like three really big 
really uh, immense, just terrific action set pieces in it that will, will bewilder you, man. You got like stormtroopers and tanks. You got, oh man, the beachhead scene. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It, it is different than most Star Wars films because usually you got the fight going on and the, you know the dude's the Luke is lightsaber fighting with somebody and there's an aerial battle and there's a ground battle and in this it's somewhat the same you, but I mean there, there's no lightsaber there's no force you got people on equal planes shooting at each other in every aspect of it so it, it's almost to like being like a 60s or 70s World War II movie like um you know like something that you'd see like um Clint Eastwood and Telly Savalas in, you know what I mean? It's on that level of war epic, which is just great to see in a sci-fi um, series like Star Wars. I mean, it's just bewildering. I honestly didn't think that Disney was going to have what it took to release it. I, I just wouldn't have expected Disney to go that route. And then I was reading a lot of stuff that they were actually, the filmmakers were actually encouraged to go ahead and, do what they did in the film because none of these characters were going to be like returning characters in future films. Well, yeah, because so yeah, they, n none of them even get a mention in like a New Hope or you know what I mean. And like if they did what they did in this movie, then th they should have been present somewhere in the future. So the way that the, the film really turned out, it, it kind of needed to go that way. But it was still not really something I thought that Disney would ever run wild with. When the movie was announced, they called it a Dirty Dozen-style war heist film where people die. And I, I just thought that that was a, a really cute, little, fun little idea that they weren't actually going to run wild with. And, dude, I am eating that crow, and it tastes like Popeye spicy chicken, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know what Disney when Disney woke up and decided, okay, we're gonna make a gritty war movie and under the Star Wars banner. I mean that's incredible in and of itself. I, I think they went and saw Suicide Squad. They looked at the end of that and they were like, Let's just go ahead and let the Edwards kid do what he wanted to do. And we, we don't want we don't wanna do this. We we don't wanna do this. So and as much as I you know I like Suicide Squad, but like, Suicide Squad should have been more hardcore than a Star Wars film, you know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of a, a juxtaposition, a really odd one, but I, I think that might have been, like, a big contributing factor. You know, like, they, they saw what happened with that, and they were like, yeah, no, we want to keep making billion-dollar movies. So, Edwards, man, you, your original ending's back on. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you see that there's, they were talking about, there's been, like, a ton of articles online about all the about the reshoots and that there's actual scenes in the trailer that indicate what the original ending was going to be and that some of the Rogue One heroes were actually going to survive the ordeal and it just and to me it just made more sense that they went this route. I don't think it would have been as I honestly don't think it would be as well received of a movie if if Disney would have went any other way considering the subject matter. Well, yeah, I think that uh, what's contributing to it blowing people's minds and them um, comparing it to something like Empire Strikes Back is the boldness of the direction they decided to take the tone of the film and ultimately the ending of the film. Because, I mean, you got this really building, foreboding feeling the whole film, but you kind of always, I kind of always felt it like, oh, it's Disney and after Force Awakens, you know, at least the girl and the guy are going to live. 
Uh, but at one point, you know, like Tarkin's like, oh no, turn the Death Star around. We're going back. You know, and you're just like, Wow, like I don't think I don't think the girl and the guy are actually gonna live through this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just dawns on you, and you're, and when you see it, it it's just portrayed beautifully. It, it, the the explosion coming out of the ocean and like them standing there together, it's it, it's vivid imagery. It's nothing I ever expected to see in a Star Wars film, but I feel blessed to have seen it and have had it in my life as a film fan experience you know what i mean it just it solidifies what i like about movies and what can actually still be done in movies in this day and age without having to go r absolutely i mean and and, and you know and it it skated on being an r-rated film too i mean when you think about it i mean the only thing separating rogue one from being an r-rated movie and say for example uh the the extended version of batman v superman that got an r rating there were a few, you know, there were a few f bobs in the in Batman versus Superman, and I think and that, blood, you know, and there was some blood in Batman versus Superman. So all you needed from Rogue One was maybe a little bit of gore and a little bit of blood here and there, and you and it probably would have been R rated, guaranteed. I mean, it, it was, and that that's how brutal it was, and it was such a psychological movie too. I mean, I would have to say that out of all the Star Wars films that exist today that movie is the deepest as far as intellectually nabbing you and and making you think and and messing with your brain and actually delving deeper into the mythology of star wars and going into the lairs and getting their hands dirty in ways that you would have never seen in any other star wars movie this is something that jj abrams would not have been able to pull off with uh, episode 7 because you have to remember episode 7 has to appeal to everyone you cannot you cannot get away with the kind of stuff that happened in yeah. Rogue One well, in, an epi- in an episodic Star Wars movie I mean it just is never going to happen I mean for real they, they're they at a point now where, where they've got they kind of got to say okay this is kind of like this is kind of like Star Wars after dark over here because yeah. now we're able we're able to do what we want to do. The kids have gone to bed, and this is the movie that you know. This is the Star Wars movie for the adults. That's really what I feel like Disney was saying to everybody. Because think about it, Force Awakens got a lot of criticism for a lot of things that it did, and and although I agree that I think it was a wonderful film, and I'm not taking anything away from Force Awakens, I, l- I love I it. To, I have to good. say that I have to say that I, I liked Rogue One a lot more. Well, see, the thing that they were able to do with a story like this, which was great, is they had like actual agents that worked clandestinely for the um, for the rebellion. So they were able to get into some kind of really dark stuff that was showing that the Re- the rebels that they're the good guys, but they don't just do good things. That they, they get their hands dirty, and and we learned that right off when when um Cassius like blasts that dude and then um escapes himself be- because. It was either that guy was going to squeal and get tortured, or he was going to get them both captured. So it, you 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 really started off like kind of thinking that this guy was shady as hell, and then as you really get to know his character, and by the probably about the middle of the second act, you you really get him and you understand that man, this guy just he is at a crux. He is the guy that the rebel leaders look at and say, dude. You're going to have to sneak in there and murder somebody. 
You know what I mean? And and you don't think about those kind of things in a Star Wars universe usually. And you wouldn't actually expect to see one in a film. You know what I mean? A Dark Horse comic from the 90s, sure. But in a movie, it, it just was just so wonderful to, to actually have your eyes open and shown that like, yeah, this this conflict can actually be shown in realistic terms. They 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 had the force in it a little bit. They alluded to the force. They had the, the whole thing about the, the lightsaber crystals and stuff. But it was a very human film. Uh, most of yeah. the magic yeah. and mysticism is out of it. Absolutely. And and what was nice was the fact that it just it just wasn't afraid to tell the story that it had to tell. I mean when you are watching one of the greatest cinematic space battles in history and you're realizing oh my god this is a Star Wars movie and this is happening on the beach and you're getting all of these I mean and and, and they actually show the space battles in like in like first person almost like a video game view and you're and you're just like wow this is incredible like they they went all out and and they tried to give everybody who's ever been a Star Wars fan, something to cheer about. I'm going to do a mild segue since you brought up video games. It and this movie was really great for actually adding in the ion weapons that you would get you get to use in yes. games like um, X-wing and stuff, which was really cool to finally see in a film. We got to see the dark troopers and we got to see the black X-wings, which I mean, it was just really cool that they added oh, yeah. in those well, little things know, from for video game fans as well. Yeah. yeah, and you know, Johnny, it's funny because I've seen a lot of people criticize things about this movie like the you know the black troopers and various little things and i'm like these are all little nuggets that are scattered all throughout star wars continuity if you were a fan of star wars continuity for the last 30 years before disney came in and rebooted you too would, bad it's over it's gone it's all it's all going to get rewritten but what i'm no but what i'm saying oh. is all these little nuggets and things you're seeing our bits and pieces being cherry picked from there. Like oh, exactly. Getting, the, the, what I'm saying is, you're getting the black troopers and all the, the all the little video game little nuggets that you mentioned and things like that. Not to mention all the cameos and and things scattered throughout from different. I mean, it was just it was so good. I, I would have to say it is the closest thing to a Star Wars orgasm I think any Star Wars fan could ever have if he's if he or she is of age cuz for real I mean I the fr- a friend of mine a friend a buddy of mine that I went to see the movie with actually said this and I quote he said in 20 years we're going to be having a discussion whether this movie is better than the Empire Strikes Back or not give it 20 years and let it let it grow on you and we'll be having that discussion because I, I, he's, I think le- it... he's leaning towards the fact he was leaning after seeing that movie. He was literally breathless and he was leaning towards that being the best Star Wars movie he's ever seen. I think that what will what will weigh heavily on that is if Garrett and like twelve years of Gareth Edwards doesn't go back and put in a bunch of crappy special effects he thought always belonged there in the first place. I think that he might actually, in the long scheme of the of of things, actually might actually be considered making the best Star Wars movie. I don't know. I think that there's it, there's just too much love and traditionalism for Empire Strikes Back to anything to dethrone it. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But. I, I don't expect, and, and that's what I what I said. I said, as much as I love Rogue One, I cannot believe that anything is ever going to usurp 
The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, that movie is is such a great movie on so many levels. Not even, you know, I mean, thematically for the shocks and surprises and things. And I'm talking about Empire Strikes Back before George Lucas went back. Yeah, and the, the real, it, by the way, the real I'm talking about the it. 19. I'm talking about the 1980s version of the Empire Strikes Back. I'm not talking about what he went back and did when he when no, he no, tinkered no. with it and messed with it. I'm, I mean, for real. You're talking about uh, the legit version, like the one we watched on VHS probably a couple yes, billion times yes, as children. Yes, the 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 and, and, and honestly, I, I love the fact that we have that we have wonderful fan groups out there. And I'm gonna give this this fan group a shout out. Negative one, you guys are awesome. I don't know if you're aware of negative one, Johnny, but negative one actually got a hold of a legitimate nineteen seventy seven print of the original Star Wars cleaned it up and released it on the internet and oh hell is, yeah and it is beautiful it has all the scratches and it's but it's cleaned up they did a good job cleaning it up but you can see dirt and scratches and grime but it's the original 77 print with the with the opening crawl before a new hope was put in in place it's it's wonderful it's the way the movie was originally meant to be seen and it is absolutely fantastic i recommend anybody going out there and searching wanting to see the original star wars to seek this out because you will get nothing better than this this was actually a, this is actually a 1977 print i don't know how they got a hold of it but they actually got one and i knew it was going to happen eventually with, oh, a, a movie like that, uh, it had a well, pretty Disney, good release. There, well, there, here's the thing with Disney. There's a and, lot of mass. There's a lot of master cop, copies out there amongst collectors. All you got to do is be, have to be have enough money to shake one loose from one of them. That, that's all you really mm-hmm. need. Yes, and I and I have to say they they've done they've released this. I think they're on. If I'm not mistaken, uh, negative one is on. This is the sixth release that they've done of this movie, and each time you know they clean it up and they, you know, they go in and they restore and they, you know, they wipe away some more grime or whatever. They do another release and it looks a little clearer. But I would say I will say the version that they have right now is fantastic, and I wouldn't care if I never saw another version of the original Star Wars because it is so nice to see it the way it was originally meant to be seen. And, I, and, I, and you know, the Zod Rider Show and PSN Radio, we don't promote piracy. But here's the thing about, this is what makes this negative one print of Star Wars a little bit different than, you know, going out and saying we're going to promote piracy. This movie is not available anywhere. You cannot buy it unless you own it on, on like an old VHS tape or a laser disc. You cannot buy it in any way, shape, or form on modern equipment. Even the DVDs that George Lucas released, and I believe it was 2000 and, I want to say 2006 or 2007. Yeah, that's about right. They released the Star Wars trilogy, and they released the Laserdisc versions of the original unaltered trilogy. And it's, it's known in fan circles as George's original unaltered trilogy. It's called The Gout. And basically, it's it's a it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a it's a laser disc a laser disc. Um, uh, what what do you call that? What do you call a that? rip? A, 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 a rip? No, a ra- a laser disc. Um, transfer. Uh, 
no, not a laser disc transfer, but it's a laser disc. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the correct the correct term is, and right now it just totally slipped my mind. It's not it's not pan and scan letterbox. It's a letterboxed version of the of the original unaltered trilogy before Lucas started tinkering with the special effects. And if you try to watch those DVDs now, what you will notice is that there are pillar bars. On the sides, yeah. because there's no way to format the gout to fit well, cause, cause, modern. Let, Letterbox was made so you could watch widescreen on old school square um, Ripper Jackson four, 480p yeah. televisions. That's what it is. So if you they try to watch it on modern a, day, if you have a widescreen TV like every fucking buddy does in this day and age, yeah, you're yes, gonna sir. actually the movie's gonna be like so small on the screen. Yes, it is, and it does not look good. I happen to have the gout. I happen yeah, I to have bought those DVDs. And, and unfortunately, so I guess I could say to everybody listening, if you legally own a copy of the gout, since that is the most current version available to fans, I guess you are legally entitled to download Team One's version of Star Wars. Because you're basically, Team One's version of Star Wars is the original print, and you can watch it on on your 50-inch or greater TVs, and it looks beautiful. And I have to say, I, I, as a fan of the original Star Wars, the original unaltered trilogy, I love, I love those movies. I hate all the additions. I don't yeah. care what the additions is. I don't even care for the additions where they go in and remove the matte lines. I'm a purist. I like Star Wars the way it originally was when I was nine years old. I don't want to see Star Wars any other way. I don't care about his additions. I don't care about extra monsters what? or extra scenery or putting Jar Jar Binks as a force ghost. That doesn't interest me. I like <laughs> the, the trilogy the way it was meant to be. And as much as I love Force Awakens, when I think of Star Wars, I think of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. I don't think of A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. You no. see, that's what it, that's what a Star Wars purist is. I don't. And, and my yeah, no. Is, it, it, when I, we were know, kids, I, I, I the agree. first movie it's was just, just called Star Wars. The box yeah. said Star Wars. It Star didn't, Wars. It wasn't. Period. Yeah, there's no there's no New Hope. That was added later on. And, and to well, me, it, it, it's actually part of the mistake. crawl, but nobody cared. You know what I mean? The damn box said Star Wars. So who cares yeah, what the crawl it, said? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, actually, if you watch the 1977 print of Star Wars. It has Star Wars, and then it just has the opening crawl. There is no A New Hope. You will not see A New Hope anywhere on the opening. Oh, really? Crawl. It's not. Shit. It's not there. It's not there, Johnny. You need to check it out. Yeah, it I must be. Fantastic. I just be. I must be too inundated with the the George Lucas alterations. And I don't want to get too off topic, but the man actually created a monster by doing this. Like we have all these crappy companies going in and buying classic horror movies and over color correcting them and brightening them up to the point where the effects look fake in them i mean i i really hate the whole remastering the classics garbage that he kind of brought to light and really made a mess of and i don't know why other companies like took that as like oh we need to do it too and other people that call themselves collectors still buy in to this gimmick it, it's horrible I, I i think of another you know what i think about johnny I, what immediately comes to mind when you say that, I immediately think of an anime that you and I both enjoy very much, which is called Robotech. The original Robotech had better sound effects, was a much cooler show, until they went in 
and re-edited stuff and changed the sound mix and messed with it a la the way George Lucas did in Star Wars. I, with well, I mean, I really, like, I really like the first arc of Robotech, and I really like it as Macross as well because I couldn't, get into, the, I couldn't get into the Master Saga. I couldn't get past it, so I don't even oh, know what yeah, the generation's like. It. But the the Macross saga was beautiful, and then when um, Sentai Filmsworks released the the real Macross on DVD a couple of years ago, I totally picked it up. And yeah, I actually it's got really it. not I that own different. It through, uh, I own it through Animeago, I have the box set that I have, and and the difference is it has an outer box that says Harmony Gold. It's Harmony Gold because I think RoboTechWet.com was selling it a few years back, and. I ended up getting it, but I, I think in Japan it's since been released on Blu-ray and everything, and I think that would look Macross on Blu-ray would look fantastic. But I digress. I, you know, well, we're, we're, I, well, I mean, I don't know. It's, a, topic, it's an but... '80s cartoon. It's it was on TV. I, I Blu-ray is a is a format that's made for something that was shot to look like a movie like The Revenant. It was shot on HD. Oh, yeah. to made to be seen in HD. People going on and on about how amazing old. Film movies should look on digital. Need to have a goddamn lobotomy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you one hundred percent. And that's one of the things which again brings me back to Negative One's release of of the original Star Wars. Yeah, that movie looks so great because it's unfettered by CG. It's it's unmolested. And it was shot on film, and it looks beautiful on your TV. And Han shoots first, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot stress this enough that this that that seeing that version of Star Wars, particularly after going to the theater and and reveling in how great Rogue One was, or is, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And that's the other thing I I, I can't understand with all these fanboy complaints. Oh. Why are there why are there stormtroopers that are black stormtroopers? Why are there all these walkers when we didn't see the walkers until Empire Strikes Back? Why is this? What are R two D two and C three PO doing in the movie? Why is uh well, how did they get that dead actor to come back and play the evil commander? Listen, listen. You don't understand anything about Star Wars. If you understand Star Wars, you would know why. R two D two and C three PO were there. You would because the King of Alderaan was Scarif. there. They were Alder- absolutely. They were Alderaan's. They were. Well, listen, they were under the command of Captain Antilles. That is why they were there because Captain Antilles was on Scarif during that beach skirmish. Day. Yeah, exactly. It makes perfect sense. Oh well, why did they show Princess Leia at the end? What does she have to do with anything? Why'd they have that guy come back from the first movie? Well, the, the funny, the funny thing is, is these same jerks they will go, <laughs> they will go on other chat rooms and they'll tell people, oh, if you saw Rogue, if you saw A New Hope, then you know how Rogue One ends. They don't bear in mind that this movie is taking what we just kind of blindly thought was some minuscule detail that didn't need to really be had a light shine upon it in a new hope and they took this and made it its own sprawling epic which not only tells its own ass-kicking story but actually makes a new hope and the subsequent films afterwards have so much more meaning and depth exactly i had so much more you know what it made rogue one i'm gonna be completely honest 
as if it were possible, Rogue One made Luke Skywalker an even more important character. I mean, you, you have to look at the overall big picture. You have to look at what what Rogue One brings to the table. Yeah. What what they sacrificed made it possible for this kid yeah. from Tatooine to come in and use the Force and destroy the Death Star. This All of this would not be possible if not for the sacrifice of the brave men and women from Rogue One. For real. Rogue One, uh, Rogue One is like they're Rogue One. They're like the unsung heroes that you never hear about in any war, but they're really the ones who really were responsible for the war going one direction or the other. For it's real, a group of brave people that actually that that sacrificed. Their, it's not about name recognition. It's about the cause. It's about what you're fighting for, and. Honestly, I mean, I never felt. I mean, I mean, if there was a way to feel patriotic during a Star Wars movie, this is it, for real. You're you're not you're never going to get uh, anything anything close to this. And I don't know about you, Johnny, but I never felt anything close to this in a Star Wars movie. This was no. incredible. I mean, I, when I was little, I to tell you the truth, I I didn't like Empire Strikes Back when I was a kid. It bummed me out so bad. I, 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 you know what I mean. I, I didn't understand it at the time. So, um, you know, it wasn't until I got older that I really appreciated, it and then I saw it was the better of the series. But even by then, I was so familiar with it that I, I was able to understand it and 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 connect with it better. But it, it was something that was so familiar to me. This, this is it, it's so unfamiliar. It's not. It's it's a movie. With Star Wars stuff in it, that's not—it's not completely a Star Wars film. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I'm trying to explain it. I think I'm doing a bad job, but um, you know what I'm saying, dude. It was, and and I think that that's why it was so powerful and so moving when I watched it at this this day and age. Because after the prequels, and as much as I love a Force Awakens, um, I was not expecting something that would be so um, deep, moving, beautiful, just tragic i mean like it's a cacophony of emotions yeah you described it best uh, you described it at best in a facebook conversation when i believe you said that it was a greek tragedy and it really is i'll one up it and say it was almost shakespearean in nature because in a sense these these people made the ultimate sacrifice and no one will ever really understand how deep that sacrifice was and i feel like it has it gave a very intimate view of star wars to the fans because we're seeing a part of star wars history that yeah we kind of knew about it beforehand but we didn't really know we didn't know the depth we didn't understand we didn't it's kind of like finding out about the holocaust for the first time you know yeah you don't really it do, it doesn't really hit you until you until you are until you've you've seen you see it all you see the I'd say the Holocaust is a bit of a stretch I'd say it probably more like if you were to actually read the history behind the the attack that the movie bridge too far is based on and I, I would re- kind of really compare yeah. this movie to that and um, Sean Connery's platoon that that got sent to the furthest bridge and they all get they they all meet a really sad tragic fate yeah dude like the the people the two bridges that got took those people will always be remembered and clamored about as heroes the third bridge where they fought and they went in and just like everybody else and they actually had more balls because they went deeper than anybody else they, they they're 
somewhat sadly forgotten. And that that's basically what Rogue the the crew of Rogue One is. And you know and you know the the other tragic element of Rogue One is not every character gets an excellent kick ass death either. This movie like on gives and, you gives and you get, realism too on 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 a level that we have not seen in a Star Wars movie. I mean I mean in a Star Wars movie, when a stormtrooper shoots at you, most of the time, the stormtrooper misses. The stormtrooper yeah, no, that, does not hit the hero, but not in Rogue One. <laughs> real. I mean, and, and, and something else is not only do they all have deep, meaningful death scenes, they all also get to have a really epic hero scene where they all actually step up and do something that is very iconic and actually means something to the greater plot of the film and i i thought that that was really good writing of it too you know what i mean usually like they'll have everybody kind of have a hero moment but some of them will be like really dip dip shitty things but not here man everybody like really stepped up everybody kind of got to be a badass and um they all went out like pimps, man, in the story. Like for example, for example, you, you, I'll give an example where you have the the MacGuffin, where which was that, which was that. What did they call it? It was a, it was a, it was a master switch, wasn't that what it was called? Yeah, the master the switch. That was the MacGuffin for for Donnie Yen's character. Now you know Donnie Yen's character. He's the Ip Man. You knew Donnie Yen was going to be a badass, no matter what. But we didn't really. Get to get the extent of what kind of a true badass he was going to be until he sacrificed himself to get to that switch. I mean, uh, that, 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 was, that damn switch killed more people than the Second World that War. Was it, I mean, that was incredible. That switch, yeah. and, and I love the way you know the way the camera shot of the switch, and you see it, and it's just this big. It, it almost the switch almost looked abs- almost like a parody. Of like yeah. you know, it almost red, seemed cartoonish. Like, like, yeah, like the red, like the re- like press the red button kind of cartoonish, you know. And you see it, and it's so glaring. And then you're seeing all these people sacrificing just can't themselves get to, to it. get to it. It's this. there, yeah. and it's it's this big thing that like you should just be able to reach out and grab. But like, yeah, three characters like just get. I mean, more than that, but three of the actual main cast basically like just. Yeah, it, it's the downfall of them, and it is. It's. It seems like a small detail, but it was so very important to the mission. Which you got to remember, we always thought the mission itself was a small detail when we watched A New Hope. So, I mean, all these little small details really add up and make this movie something that makes you think that, like, God damn, I wonder what the what happened to that guy before he got there, man. I bet you he. He must have had some cool fucking adventures, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it kind of gives you, more scope about anybody who walks on set in a Star Wars film. It kind of makes you think that, like, damn, dude, maybe that guy went through some shit, you know? I mean, if this was like what goes on when they're not chasing around and having bumbling pod race adventures and shit, and and in the trilogy movies. Well. Yeah, and and again, and I, and I think that was that was in purpose on purpose that the master switch was this glaring was this glaring object that it you was know, just unreachable. It was it was it was so close, but yet so far, and it and it added so much depth to the movie, and it showed you and it showed you just how incredibly brave and ballsy these characters were. I mean, I you know honestly, 
I, I've never, and, and and really the film was so moving and powerful in so many different ways, and I, I just, I don't uh, know, I, I mean. One guy that never gets enough love from the fans, the pilot character, the dude that brought the message to begin with, and what he does throughout the course of the film, he never even really wanted to be there. He wanted to help out a little bit. He gets taken by Forrest Whitaker. He gets his brain messed with, and then he gets kidnapped by some other crazy people, and then he ends up, like, really getting into the, and being one of the more brave characters in the film when he really had no dog in that fight to begin with, which I thought yes. was really cool and really made him interesting. And I see he gets left out of almost every conversation I've ever had about the film until I bring him up. Oh, I, I love that character. I really do. I think, I think it's amazing. I mean, he, he was, he was just, just as brave if, as everyone else, if not braver, because he was initially a, an Imperial pilot, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was working he was um, a defector. with Matt Yeah, he was a defector. And I and if you read the uh Catalyst novel, the prequel novel to Rogue One, uh the guy that uh Cassian uh Cassian, uh had to kill to when after he got the information, that character actually plays a you know, a bigger a bigger a big role in everything leading up to um leading up to Rogue One. He has he has a much much more important uh, role in the story with when it comes to bringing information, uh, you know, spying and stuff. Well, he had which, to get that it, arm and, messed up somehow, man. His and the book, and the book really, and the book really goes into detail ex- to explain why he's such an important person for like the you know the rebels to get in touch with and stuff. He kind of just you know he's he's really you know he's really important and it, it i mean and it delves into it really nice that i highly recommend that too and i wanted to mention catalyst before i before i forgot about it because we're talking about so much so much greatness here i mean rogue rogue one we are in the presence of a true truly great film a gem of a film that i never expected to get especially with the kind of crappy year that we've all been having i honestly you know, I I didn't know what to expect. I figured Rogue One would be good, and I kind of thought the the best you'd be able to say about it was, oh yeah, it was a good movie. It was, you know, it was, but it wasn't as it wasn't as good as Force Awakens or yeah. something of something along those lines is what I what I thought the mass consensus was going to be. But I had no idea just how just how powerful of a film it's going to be. And powerful is really the word I would use to describe it. I mean, it is an affirmation of how how wonderful and vast and deep the Star Wars universe really is. It is it it just goes to show you that there's more to the Star Wars universe, far more to the Star Wars universe than the Skywalker lineage and that is something that this movie really really accentuates. Right. It's like it's like um, saying that nothing else happened in Middle Earth besides what happened to the right. the, the hobbits, you know. I guess you know, uh, sort of. I guess, there are a lot of people draw com- um, comparisons between those um, franchises, anyways. But yeah, dude. I mean, I, I really like you said. I was last year. I went and saw Force Awakens. I liked it. It was, I think, like my. my seventh favorite movie of the year and i i thought i, I always thought I'd li- i would like rogue one better i just thought the it's, the premise was interesting it was a kind of movie i always wanted to see them try to make but i really thought it was going to probably maybe be like my fifth favorite movie of the year you know what i mean it would be a, a marked improvement of force awakens but i didn't expect it to like 
be my second favorite movie and actually bump poor hardcore Henry to number three. I mean, that was just completely, I had no idea I was going to be leaving the theater that jazz having so much nerdgasm all over myself. I mean, like I had to take all kinds of showers to clean all the, the nerdgasm off me. I mean, I just, I was like, just covered in it. I just, the entire film from Lucasfilm logo to the blue directed by credits pop up at the end. I, I was just entranced. I had a smile on my face. I did get choked up. Of course who couldn't, but I, I still, I think was smiling when I was about to cry. So yeah, <laughs> like you said, I did not really expect to think this movie was going to be anywhere near as good as it was. And I was expecting to like it. <laughs> okay, and when we come back, we're going to take a brief break right now, but uh, what we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, we can't not talk a, a little bit, maybe a lot, about Darth Vader's role in this movie, and then we'll also talk about uh, Krennic, as well as a returning cast member from the original uh, Star Wars film from 1977, and it's a wonderful concept, and I'm glad they decided to do it in uh, the film, but we will discuss it when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Zod Rider Show on psn-radio.com.
All right, we are back on tonight's episode of the Zod Writer Show. Uh, you were listening, uh, we had a little break, and you were listening to Georgina Revel's uh, track, Dance for Love. I promised Georgina I would play that as much as possible. So, we are back here now talking about Rogue One, and as promised, I want to talk a little bit about about the villains of, of Rogue One. Uh, Krennic, Darth Vader, and a returning character from the original Star Wars who has not been seen for quite a while and that is none other than Grand Moff Tarkin and I think we should talk a little bit about Tarkin first because that's something that I where I think this movie is not only a brilliant wonderful powerful film but I think it's also a technical achievement on a lot of levels and it's it's amazing Cinematically, what did you think about Peter Cushing being resurrected from the dead for Rogue One, Johnny? Well, that was actually one of the things that got spoiled for me early on. One of my friends from the UK let slip how awesome seeing Tarkin was. So when the scene came on with him, I, I wasn't too surprised, but I didn't know exactly how far we would see of him. And when when it was just showing his reflection on the on the mirror and you're watching the Death Star be put together, I kind of thought that that's all we were going to see. And then you see him turn around and you see him walk around and explain things and move his hands and stuff. And it it was phenomenal. I mean, like a little, you could tell it was CGI on the face. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but it looked good. I mean, like Jeff Bridges and Tron 2 was, you know what I mean? Like that paved the way for this, but this was even so much more cleaner than that. I mean, it was, it was unreal. It was, it was almost haunting to, to know that you're watching a dead man on a film. Yeah. A dead man walking, exactly. And, you know, I'm tired of the fact that, you know, you go on the internet and you read all these message boards about Rogue One and you see people actually complaining about that. Saying, oh, the CGI for Tarkin was absolutely horrible. And it's like, are you kidding me? If you were not told that that was CGI... And and when we get the Blu-rays and the DVDs for it, you, you ain't going to tell on the TV anyways, man, unless you have some ridiculously huge television. Yeah. That's I mean, I, I have I have like I have like a 50-inch, and I think that I won't yeah. be able to tell yeah, when I, I watch. Yeah, I won't be able to tell. I won't be able to tell either. You'd have to really be looking. I mean, you'd, I mean you got to have a really good eye to tell that that's CG. You could tell when you're in the theater, like you said, slightly, just because, just because you knew that, you know, it was – it was CG, but it was incredibly well done. I mean, that character was confrontational. That character actually had lines. I think B- I think Peter Cushing should get Best Supporting Actor for this film. Honestly, he was he was that good. It was incredible seeing him there. I I, I was I was floored. But then I also realized that for Rogue One being what it is, you really couldn't make Rogue One without having. Well, and they, they also needed to they also needed to have him there so that you would understand how come you never heard of the other guy that actually made the Death Star. They made it so apparent that Tarkin was just like, okay, dude, I'm going to screw this guy over as soon as I get. I'm going to steal his shit and tell the Emperor I made it. And like that was such a Tarkin move. You know what I mean? It worked wonderfully, and it made sense why you never heard of this other bad guy. Well, what you learn, what you learn, what you learn, for example, what you learn in the prequel uh, Catalyst to Rogue One, the novelization, is that it's all is that it's all Dutch door action because basically 
the guy the guy Krennic, the main villain of Rogue One, actually is taking credit for stuff that was created by that by that by Mads Mikkelsen, yeah, Urso, Urso and Urso ba- basically Urso got some of his ideas from from a design that was created by the separatists back in you know back in so uh, so, pre- so the entire Death Star was just people stealing other people's shit until they got something that worked until they got until they got <laughs> something that right got something right and uh, here here's the here's the That's funny awesome. part about. Here's the funny part about it, though. You know, people criticize are criticizing that and saying, "Well, you know, you know, but we that... saw in Episode Three how the Death Star was was already under development. So how is it possible that this movie takes place after Episode Three, and we're supposed to believe that it was 15 years time uh, that this Death Star was being developed and it was being developed in secret?" All I say is, dude, who cares what happened in episode three? It's a terrible movie. This is the only prequel that will ever matter, right? Just think of it as X Men First Class for fucking Star Wars, all right, guy? Well, well, and that, well, move that on. And the fact, well, that and the fact that okay, <laughs> that and the fact that you you get you actually get to see the scientist that you know was responsible for basically the whole thing being put into production. You get that scientist. You get the whole idea. You get what you get what. Uh, you get what Krennic is trying to do and, you know, how he's trying to basically move up the ranks and earn favor of the Emperor. You you learn all of that. But then you we also learn and we also understand and get a reaffirmment as to why Darth Vader is such a tremendous badass. Uh, yeah, but I mean, back I mean, to, back, I mean, back it's, to it's, what it's... we were talking about with the Death Star, that's actually how great things are built, though, by the way. I mean, look at the the, the, the rivalry between Edison and Tesla and how yes. Edison stole everything that that man did and is passed off as a genius. I mean, that, that we kind of got to see that fictionalized in, in a galaxy far, far away, and it's unbelievable for their minds. You know what I mean? Get the yeah. fuck over it, guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and again, and again, Tarkin is such a badass in his own way too because you're realizing you know that the, that Krennic isn't going to make it beyond this movie because if he because there's no mention of him ever and that yeah. is not and that and that is not an accident people that's another thing that yeah. people are criticizing about the movie well how come they don't mention Krennic why isn't he mentioned he was just as responsible for the death star as Urso and Tarkin I- because Tarkin and Krennic had a big rivalry, and Tarkin Darth, and made, Darth Vader made it clear in the film that he's on Tarkin's side. He's on Tarkin's he basic, side. He, he was helping. He was going to help. Krennic goes, and there's a masterful scene where he goes and tries to suck up to Vader to try to get Vader to introduce him to the Emperor, so that he can try to get there before Tarkin kisses more ass than he does, and Vader chokes his ass out and tells him do not choke on your aspirations and it, it's it's epic you know i mean if they watched the film they would understand and they wouldn't have questions that's stupid right exactly exactly krennic is not is not mentioned in history because nobody liked that guy didn't, i mean everybody was just down to screw him over yeah. right he because krennic started out and and people a lot of people don't notice know this unless they looked at unless they looked at again going back to catalyst that Krennic was used to be an officer in the 
for the for the republic before the republic became the galactic empire and he was and he was always trying to move up the ranks and stuff and he just and it was just he was trying to do okay, it okay so he was an old soldier that was trying to fit into a new regime and they didn't like him cuz he was old guard Okay. They didn't like him anyway. They didn't yeah, like him anyway because again, he's a he's suck a up. Little, he's a skeezy little psychopath. I mean, yeah, and it's yeah. blatantly clear in the film. And exactly. You know, I had I you know what you know what I thought about when they fir- when they first showed him at the beginning of the film when they had him walking up to Urso Urso. You uh, thought, oh my god, Urso. look at this dork. That's what I you thought. I'm like dork. You see this dork walking up up to them and you see the way he's acting. You know what I kind what what scene from what movie I started thinking about? I started thinking about Austin Powers when you saw the from, No, 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 no. The scene in Inglorious Bastards where the where the where the Nazi soldier it goes up to the farmer and starts questioning the farmer about if he if he is, you know, sheltering enemies of the state. That's how powerful this film is. You get that feeling. This is just a this is just a scumbag imperial officer, and he's playing on the I, I trying put... to play on the playing on the trying to play on the sentiments of of this guy trying to act like he actually cares. But in no way does he actually care about this guy or his family. He's just a complete he's just a complete crazy psychopath. Yeah, he, and... he's he's egomaniacal. Little right. psycho that, that only cares about that. getting his way to the top, but he he did spill a good game. He was like at first telling Mads that like, no, dude, like I'm not mad, and like your king wife can come, my, and yeah, we got circus and stuff for him. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, and 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 also another thing, and I'm you know I'm give I keep giving spoilers from Catalyst, but another thing about Catalyst is you realize as you learn that Urso and Krennic were actually pretty good friends for a while. But everything you kind of Krennic... get that feeling in the in, in the flashbacks that Jin has. I think that's what I mean. It's an unstated thing, but they they, they did sh- they did kind of show a closeness and familiarity in the flashbacks, which I, I thought that actually m- m- really made sense why she hated him so much. Right, right, right. And Krennic actually was the the thing about the great thing about Catalyst was you learn that every but everything that Krennic did that would appear that he did out of friendship towards Urso was just because Krennic was trying to achieve some other type of sinister goal. So it all comes out to the way you the way you describe him, Jody. He's exactly is exact that's exactly what he is. He is in no way shape or form a good guy in any way and he actually really did deserve what he got at the end of this film. I I really, you know, I it mean, was turnabout. It was fair play. You talk I mean, about justice. I mean, you really you talk about justice. This guy got what he deserved. He really did. It was amazing. I, I never thought, like, like you know, karma coming back to bite him. There it was. I mean, yeah, no. What what he did was exacted onto him by people that I guess he thought should have been trying to bolster him up. And like, yeah, yeah he he got himself a rude awakening when well, he went and was, talked to Vader. That's for it sure. It was Tarkin. Yeah, because you know Vader went back and told Tarkin, hey, this guy is backdooring you, and this is what you need to do. You know that's what happened. I yeah, because in um, New Hope, they basically showed that there was like a closeness between the two of them that they never expanded upon, but you kind of got you kind of got the feeling that Tarkin and Vader got along. You know what I mean? Like if Vader would yeah. go out and like have a beer with anybody else, like at the Death Star, he'd have went, him and Tarkin would have been chilling there, you know, and talking shit and 
girls and stuff. <laughs> well, all I know, all I know for sure is that I, I think that you, I think that we we got to see some great elements to the friendship of Vader and Tarkin just from that, and that was a great example that you just gave because clearly. There was no way that sucking up to tar- sucking up to Vader was going to help him. I, I don't know. I don't know if if he would have. He might have actually had better luck if he would have tried to contact the Emperor directly. In all honesty, I don't know, man. I I think the Emperor's kind of got the like, dude. You're not like one of my high command people. You trying to contact me directly? I'm going to fuck you up over that. You, Vader, you, ain't, Vader you don't have to ma- Vader mission probably would have killed him anyway. Yeah, yeah Vader would have killed for, him anyway as soon as he found out he got into Yeah, toe-stepping and going over his head, that don't go well in the military, bro. Especially in an evil military. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I think Krennic, uh, Krennic really did bite off more than he could chew in the movie. Oh, and, he, and he's, he and he's looks... a great character, though. I mean, it was, it yeah, was no, great I... to see such a well-developed character for a one-off story. For, I mean, you'll ne- I mean, we'll probably never hear about Krennic ever again unless unless he comes up in Rebels at some point, which is yeah, unless unless, unless they try to score some points with Rogue One fans and they name drop him in a future film. That's the only time you're going to hear from him. But yeah, like you said, yeah, I really I enjoyed so. the character when I first saw him show up in the first scene. I kind of thought I was like, man, really this this dork. But then when you get more scenes with him, like he just delivers and. I, I, like you said, he's almost got like the Christoph Waltz Nazi type likability to him, even though he's just a schemy little weasel of a man. I mean, absolutely. And and and, and you know that he's going to get what he deserves because, like we said, you you never hear from the man again, and you learn first off that Vader and Tarkin ain't going to give a good goddamn that hap- what happens to him if they don't kill kill them themselves. You know what I mean? Like they, They're like, okay, we're going to kill that guy, but if somebody else does it, we ain't going to be mad about it. No. <laughs> it's like the attitude they had about the dude. So, yeah, he wasn't long for the world, but he really he really helped tie the story together. I'm not too familiar with the actor. I don't think I've really seen him in anything else, but, man, I, he really delivered in this. I, I, at first, like, because one of the things that really impressed me about the film is they went back and, like, all the characters had 70s hairdos. They went out of their way to make them look as much like how characters from the old films would look. So you got this guy with this really ugly, like, 70s comb over, and you're like, man, he doesn't look evil at all at first. And then you get to know him. You get to see the scene with um, Mads Mikkelsen where the, the big important um, second act scene with the, with the sniper rifle and all that with Mads yeah. Mikkelsen. And, and you really, like, just you, you, you just hate the guy, but he's got a charisma on camera that, you know, you enjoy when he's there as well. You know what I mean? He's a good villain. And the differentiation in the in the cat and mouse game between him and Tarkin couldn't have been more obvious not only between the banter between the two characters but between the way they were dressed I mean you talk about a classic situation I mean think about it Tarkin was all you know was dressed like was dressed like you know the typical typical imperial military guy and then you see and then you see uh you see you see Krennic and, and he's in the flashy he white. He's all in, yeah, I was just going to say that. Flashy white, like almost hero, hero-like 
garb in comparison to Dar- and it was no it was never more apparent that there was no way he was going to be able to suck up to Vader when you see when you see that scene between him and Vader because you see him coming out the white like the white knight versus Darth Vader and it was just it was just incredible like there yeah. was no there was no way that this guy was ever going to have a prayer and I think and I think they went out of their way to make that obvious not just through the banter but just through the visual style of the way they were dressed. I think he was just, I mean, because otherwise, why not just have him dressed in a military uniform like Tarkin? Why yeah, have I him mean, dressed in uh, white I, I thought, like that to look so so almost contrasting to Tarkin and Vader? I, and I actually kind of always thought that. I, I, I loved the movie so much, I wasn't going to nitpick over that. But you actually explaining that he was an old Imperial guy, before, or um, part of the old guard, before the empire took over so he's still rocking his old uniform basically and he still thinks right, that right, it means right. something in this day and age which is probably half the reason why Tarkin and the other guys hate him they think probably think he's a pretentious douche because of that you know what i mean oh yeah of course of course and i mean he moved up the ranks through the through the um uh the the rebe- not the rebellion but the at the time the republic he moved up the ranks through the republic to get where he was and when he was when he joined on with the he joined on with the imperials and now he's and now he's trying to you know kiss butt up the ladder to get ahead and he and those guys that he has to get through just aren't having it and by those guys I'm talking about Tarkin and Vader there's no way dude yeah. you're not going to get anywhere yeah so second and third where and you tra- are <laughs> yeah, second and third in charge don't like you. You ain't going nowhere. You're not son. going nowhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, you're better off. He, I, honestly, Krennic. He should have became a rebel. He should have just defected. That's he, he would have had a better chance. He would have had a better chance. I, I was just gonna say that there's no way that this guy thought could have. I would not. If I was him, I would not have had an inkling that I was going to survive this ordeal at all not with those two Tarkin clearly hated hated his guts and Vader is not going to backstab Tarkin for you the man in white it's not happening you're, you're I mean it's just like I almost feel like I mean I, I feel like he got an appropriate death in the movie I really do and again but I almost feel like I would have preferred if he would have just got choked out to death by Vader. I think that would have been an even, even better ending because he or, didn't or, really or, some, did, or somehow he didn't really accomplish anything else. Like throughout the movie, after that, he was just kind of he was just kind of a lame duck anyway until the end of the film. So really, I was actually hoping that he would get shot by the Death Star. Like because when they turned around and like and and, they, and you blatantly opened fire on um. Scarif at the end of the movie. I, I yeah, actually, expect, I actually expected him to get. Well, he got shot by Cassian and stuff. He was he was well on death's door. Like I, I thought that like he was going to be standing there posing, be, trying to be all badass, and then just bam, dude, and like they kind of all get wrecked. But I thought that that was really like what was going to be the blow that like really did him in. Yeah, yeah, but we knew there was no way that this man was going to that this man was going to survive. Oh, it just especially. <laughs> Especially when Tarkin finds out that he's on Scarif too with the rebels, and he's like, "Okay, turn the Death Star around. We're going to Scarif." And he get to uh, to warp speed. You're just like, "Yeah." Even if that guy would have gotten on a ship and got through the the force field, 
I think that they would have shot him down. They wouldn't have let him board, you know, the, the Star Destroyer that they were on. They would have been like, oh, wow, we shot a rebel in the TIE fighter, you know what I mean? <laughs> and just played it off like, oh, screw that guy. He died in the battle. Even I, if he I did. Still can't, I still can't say enough about about Tarkin in this movie, man. I, I really, to me, it was like, it was like so crazy how he was, he was resurrected. And you, you wouldn't be, you couldn't tell. I mean, it was just like you're, he's just another, it's just another actor on the screen, but it's a guy that's been dead for a couple of decades. <laughs> I, I just, I just, that was, that was amazing. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the CGI was not distracting whatsoever. Tarkin no, was Tarkin on this there, movie. There was one thing that really distracted me in the film, and that was the voice they decided to make Forrest Whitaker talk in. Like, it was over the top, and it kind of took me out when he would talk. But aside from that, that was probably I the just kind of thought that it was because his character was suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Like, he was going... He was not all there, and he was kind of, you know, yeah, but, up. He was but a war, he wasn't, he was a he war weary veteran. He really wasn't, you know, he wasn't all, doing all the voice there. very well, though, bro. I mean, that's I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, apparently he's going to apparently he's going to do the voice for the character in Rebels. Apparently, it's kind of the character's coming up, going to be showing up. In, oh, it's going to be acting with Ezra Miller. That's good news. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, that's. I, oh, and did you see the ghost? From rebels in, uh, in the movie, the the ship ghost had a cameo in in rebel in uh, uh, Rogue One. No, nah, I must have missed it, man. The ship from the ship from Rebels. It was in the battle. If they ain't gonna show Sabine, I don't want to see nothing, man. That's that's my <laughs> rebel right there, man. Well, it, it I mean it's in there. Uh, there was a, there was some Rogue One. I mean uh, some some rebels Easter eggs in that movie too. I, I I'm, I'm telling you that movie was chuck full. It had something in it for every Star Wars fan if you had the keen eye to look. If you are an uber Star Wars fan and you watch this movie and you I mean and you just marveled at how amazing it all is and every the world that they tried to set up, there's stuff in there for everyone. Just it's incredible and and, and uh, like you, when you read it you think they're like oh wow they they might have overdone it a bit but when you, when you actually watch the movie you actually have to look for this shit except for probably the 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 walrus guy and the pig nose dude the hey watch yourself guys those that, that's probably the only really really blatant easter egg that you get shoved in your face in the film oh, i guess um c3po and r2d2 like oh i guess we're going to scarif you know like that that, that those are probably the two Easter eggs that are the most in your face, in my opinion. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, the rest, and then, and then, the rest, you really have to look for, man. It's well, not... and then of course the very, and then of course the very ending, the very end too. So, you yeah, know, you, you get a lot of, you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of great, you got you get a lot of greatness going on there. You know, it's 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 incredible. And you got Donnie Yen. You got Donnie yeah. Yen. I mean, a lot of people go on like his his death scene was beautiful, but I have to say, um, in the Jetta battle where he shows up and just the the whole Jetta fight with with um K two and then Donnie Yen was just epic, man. Where they take out the the stormtrooper tank and shit, it it was just probably one of the coolest things. Star Wars, in my opinion, is Donnie Yen walking up with a bunch of stormtroopers and kicking the shit out of them. Blind. Oh, well, he's not really oh, blind, but he was absolutely, wasn't absolutely. And then yeah, you got I his mean, his Mangalorian buddy with like that crazy, like huge machine gun blaster. I mean, like just 
two really awesome characters that i mean you feel bad that you only get them in this film you know you you would i would love to see more of them but i'm happy that they were involved in such a glorious and, and special film so yeah that that's that's the other thing you saw so much character development in this in this film that it was like by the end of it i felt like i knew these characters really well i felt like these characters were well established and that they were and that what they were doing was was incredible and super heroic and you just you just could feel for them emotionally and you could be moved by by the by the bravery of the characters it was incredible i i i mean that's what a good movie is supposed to do it's not supposed to be just setting up the next movie it's supposed to make you care about the characters in the movie that you're watching at the time yeah one I of the just... scenes I, one of the scenes i hear get mocked is the argument between jen and cassie about um about the rebellion when the whole um thing where you really bit broken down and he starts telling her about the stuff that he's had to do since he was six years old and stuff before that time you kind of thought he was a little weaselly bastard that was just just a sneak thief assassin but in through that you really got to know his character you really got to like his character a little bit he he still was still working on you but you felt like you knew him actually even if you still thought he was he was a weasel which i i i, I don't understand why i get i read so much guff about the the argument i thought that it maybe it could have been worded a little better in a couple sentences but i still thought it was a very powerful exchange and it really made you like the one character and make you think the other character was kind of being a little naive bitch for a moment absolutely and uh, if there's anybody out there that would like to call in and join us on our discussion and dissection of of Rogue One a Star Wars story you can call us at area code 786-245-8127 again that's area code 786-245-8127 and we will be you know taking calls for throughout the rest the remainder of the show uh, for anybody that has something to say or would like to make comments about Rogue One. Call us if you liked it. Call us if you hated it. Whatever your opinion is, uh, we want to know about it. I, that's one of the greatest things about this Star Wars movie. That well, it, it we is, actually it haven't is. talked about one of the greatest things about the movie yet, though, Zod. What about the, the Darth Vader Jason Voorhees scene? Lightsaber in the dark, bouncing goddamn rebellion soldiers off of roofs, just slashing through fools, cutting through doors. I mean, like, this this Absolutely. was savage Vader at the end of this film. I mean, when you, when you get to the, the battle that ties to the uh, beginning of um, A New Hope, you get to see Vader unlike anything you'd ever seen. I mean, like, Vader was just... I mean, he was Michael Myers in this shit, man. He was yeah. just killing fools and what did you and think then, about all that man I, I loved it as a as a vader fan I, I thought it was was unquestionably one of the things that has been truly truly lacking in the darth vader mythology we needed to see something like this on screen yeah it, just to show you how menacing and frightening just, just to get vader over could be no well, we'll see. We'll see, and, and see, and see. That's the uh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. I, I've heard people's people, you know, raving about how great that scene was. Talking about, well, now we need to see 
a Darth Vader side story. We need to see a movie where Vader it just goes down, goes around hunting down people and killing people for two hours. And you know what? I wouldn't be opposed to a movie like that. A straight if they up do it, if they horror do it like, movie. If they do it like the, the Marvel Comics Darth Vader series that just wrapped up, it, it could also be phenomenal too. But yeah, if they do it like Space Slasher kind of type of thing, yeah, dude, like I, I would be down for that too, man. Vader. He's like the, yeah, he's like the, He's almost like the 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 Sith Lord, uh, Fred, Freddy Krueger equivalent. I mean, he's just going yeah, around, cut, just cutting down like folks. Him between uh, between like um, Episode Three and and Rogue One, like what he was doing before he like actually took his place as like the second in command of the Empire. He just went went around and killed a bunch of people that he was pissed off at at the Senate or something. Yeah, that'd be dope. Well, the, well, you also have to remember there's that whole. Uh, you know, Force Unleashed storyline from the video games that had been turned into novels and things, where Darth Darth Vader actually had a whole had a secret apprentice and all kinds of crazy stuff, and was and and the whole idea about about that storyline was hunting down the remaining Jedi that got away during Order sixty six. So huh. that so that would be an amazing plot to have. You know, to actually see Vader. Finishing up the Jedi Purge and hunting down the last of the I Jedi Knights because you could—I mean, that would be—I mean, that would be really fun. I mean, maybe you'd finally get that that uh, confrontation, you know, where where you have some really really badass Jedi's that survive, but Vader get a hold of them. And, well, and as as, as exciting and as amazing as I thought this film was, there's there's a comic book that you and I both really like. And what would you think about if Gareth Edwards? got to direct a version of The Star Wars by Dark Horse, the last Star Wars comic that they put out, which was based off of um, George Lucas's original um, screenplay for A New Hope. I mean, w- wouldn't I he be the happening. perfect director to do that story? And the only way it could be done is if it was done as a side story. Yeah, they I mean, like, you'd have to be like have to, Elseworlds, the, Star the Wars. Thing, yeah, it would, it could, they could actually classify it under the Legends, under the Legends banner. And you would, and you could release the film that way, and you could tell that story without it confusing people. I, I would love them to do it. And I, I mean, like just just how dark that book was compared to the actual real A New Hope. I think that he would be a really good director to, and that would be a really good Star Wars project for them to like approach him with, because I think that he could take that story and actually make it look as old timey as the comic did. Hello. Hello. Oh, uh, Johnny, we have a we have a caller on on, on uh, the show. You still there? Yes, Did I am. Not... How are you tonight? I'm doing good. And who is this? Um, just call me Meg. Um, I love the movie. I absolutely love the movie. And you guys started talking about Darth Vader's uh, predecessor, right? And yes, as yes. a little girl, I had come up with a alternative story for Darth Vader because I never really could take him as a really bad bad guy because he took out the Emperor. So he was the ultimate mole. He ran the greatest ever Jedi mind trick and was able to pull a Jedi mind trick so big that everybody believed he had, yes, taken out most of the Jedi. Most of them had to go into hiding, right? 
him, Yoda, Ben Kenobi, they had to run this to get to the Emperor. The Emperor had his ways, thought he could get him to go totally Sith anyway, so since the Force runs both directions. So Darth Vader never was truly a Sith. Okay, so he he, ne- he never he never was truly evil. He never was. It was the greatest mind trick ever pulled. Yeah, that's 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 actually that's actually quite quite brilliant. But what I mean, how did you feel about about what he did in, in Rogue One? How did you feel about him sla- slashing and killing rebels? He had to. He had to do that. He had to play his part, just like every undercover agent. He has to throw himself into the role. Yes, sometimes you have to do bad things to push it, but right, and and, that, he, and when, that's what we saw a lot of in Rogue One as well. We saw a lot of the characters yeah. doing things that they didn't necessarily want to do to further what needed to be done. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you're like saying he's kind of like a Primo Sparazza type character, like from Smoking Aces. Like he's so undercover that he has to do like just these horrible things, and people have to actually believe that he's like this monster so to to sell his cover. That that's basically what you got going pretty on. Pretty much, pretty much, except for when he destroyed Alderaan. The only time you ever see or even hear about the death of Alderaan is that one little scene in um, A New Hope. It only goes away because most people know nobody was at Alderaan except for maybe five or ten people who couldn't get off or wanted to stay home to die. What about, Obi- what about Obi-Wan feeling um, thousands, millions of voices screaming in the darkness? and It was part of the mind trick. He's lying. He was totally hmm. so he, lying so about it. So Obi Wan was Obi Wan was lying to lying to cover it up to to Luke. That's lying what to it was? further no, lying to everyone to further the fact that Darth Vader was that evil. Oh, okay, okay. So it was all a conspiracy, essentially, to get him close enough to the Emperor to kill him. He was the only one powerful enough to do it. Oh wow. And I, yeah. never, I never actually thought about it like that. that well, the thing is, would... it's like he, he he doesn't recognize three PO and um, R two D two, which he he created one of them, and like he oh, runs into him several the times. The prequels don't count. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm giving merit. To, I'm giving merit to your argument. Like he basically, like him acting like he didn't know who C three PO is, is kind of yeah. silly. But. Even when Darth Vader in um, Empire Strikes Back, after he cuts off Luke hand, come with me, son. Join me and we'll rule this place because everybody is angling for the edge. They're using me. They're doing this. There's no emperor. There's nobody. It's just you and me. He was telling the truth. Dead honest truth right there. Right. Yeah, He. well, he... Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting, man. That that's actually pretty cool food for thought. Pretty mind blowing theory, actually. That Darth Vader was the Darth Vader was the hero this entire time. I wonder what anybody exactly. else out there listening would think about would think about that. That is a good that is a good theory. He even confesses, "You were completely right about me, son. The whole time, you knew underneath all of this, I'm not this jerk. 
you knew I was good underneath all this. Yeah, and well, and judging from the way that he acted in, well, like you said, you're 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 going off the persona that you know the the prequels don't count, so we can just <laughs> if, no, if the we prequels were the proof we, that George Lucas had nothing to do with the creation of Star Wars. The remasters and the prequels proved that George Lucas actually had nothing to do with the true story of Star Wars. I, I really, like I said, that that's a that's a fantastic uh, way of looking at it. I, I I really have never looked at it like that. I mean, I I, didn't, I personally didn't love the prequels, but I mean, I I mean, thinking about it like that, it kind of makes a little, it kind of makes sense. What do you think, Johnny? Well, <laughs> I mean, really? like, like I was saying, him him to act like he didn't recognize three PO and D two in, in the future films, if it's written. S- that he w- it was interacted with them so closely as a child and young adult, it kind of it well, kind of makes well, a little you know, bit of sense. My thing is, my thing like this is they might they might as well have said that Darth Vader built the Millennium Falcon for all that for all that it mattered throughout the overall arc of the story. I, I don't even understand why they threw that in there that he built three PO. I mean that kind of yeah. felt. That kind of felt dumb in and of itself. Well, well, even if he didn't build them, they were still around for the rest of the films. They would have been introduced in some other way. So he would have known those two characters. I mean, they were... Those are are the characters that have survived, that have been in every single film. And that's one of the things that's... The Antilles included. Yeah, and George Lucas had actually said at one point, that the story is essentially being the whole saga is being told from the point of view of the robots. So you're you're yeah. you know you're you're even seeing. I mean, you even got to see their perspective a little bit from in that little cameo in Rogue One. So yeah. I... But they could do the movie completely well, kind of like Rogue One, but a little bit more like a political thriller rather than even just uh, George Lucas's way. I guess like a, like a political thrill like for example like the like a, maybe a political thriller about about the emperor maybe rising yeah, to power exactly. and then trying to and then trying to assassinate different you, different rebel groups trying to assassinate the emperor maybe Exactly you have the jedis they're running for cover they're going we're all going to die if we keep just running what are we going to do and Yoda goes you know what let's die we're going to put somebody, and this kid, he is strong with the Force. He is so strong with the Force that even if he went to the dark side, he can come back. So we're going to take this guy, convince everyone that he is a Sith, the most powerful Sith ever. We're going to show that he kills two or three hundred Jedi. Most of us will be in hiding, and it will be just a mind trick. Bunch of little kids. And Exactly. With the little kids, they, you know, there has to be sacrifice. Always, there has to be sacrifice. Uh, Rogue One, the whole team, was a sacrifice. But to get to the greater good, Yoda and Kenobi, and maybe, I guess, Mace Windu, I, if you want to include somebody from the prequels, if you wanted to keep that going, they came up with this Jedi mind trick that just bent the curve. 
that's pretty dark. it's pretty dark but yeah that that's that's, that's really pretty, interesting that's a pretty dark and deep theory and it, it it almost it almost makes you question the morality of the of the jedi and the rebel alliance as a whole well man, rogue one did that though with, with yeah. yeah well that too they yeah. all do I'm with the Force, the Force is with me. If you're in the Force, you're already part of it. So if you die, you're not dead. You're part of the Force. Exactly. You just keep going. So it's not actually as dark as you might think. Yeah. I thought of this when I was a five-year-old. Well, that's a good, but that's a good point about, that's a good point about Rogue One. All of these characters. And he never killed Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan disappeared. Right. He killed a dead robe. Right. Imagine he did that to all the Jedi he supposedly killed. Yeah. Why would he? Why would he be able to even be able to redeem himself if he killed all those younglings? If he really yeah. killed all those younglings in the Jedi Temple, how could he have been redeemed ever? And maybe the younglings were already sick. <laughs> Something well, the that, Emperor well, did to them. Yeah, that that would that would explain that would explain a lot. I mean that that I mean I know that 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 scene was meant to demonstrate the brutality of Darth Vader, but even that but that wasn't shown, and I don't think it was it was demonstrated well enough. Where when we saw the scene in at the end of Rogue One, there was really no there was really no doubt about the brutality yeah. of Darth Vader. Well, he couldn't dispatch the troopers to further that. He had to do it himself to prove to Tarkin that it was real. There you go. Now what are you going to do, Tarkin? Because when he's around the table and he's choking out the guy who who was saying that, um, you know, there's nothing more strong than this battle station, Tarkin was just 10 seconds from getting choked out himself if you watch Darth's body language. Yeah, I, you know, didn't destroy the droids I, in the pod. I always looked at, I always looked at Tarkin Han. and Vader like two peas in a pod. I never thought for a second that Vader would actually. No, turn he was a mean to an end. Yeah. What do you think, Johnny? I think I think Didn't it's a really Lando. cool idea. I mean, I that there there was like a she's got a point. There's a lot of things that he should have recognized, and he just kind of blasely kind of played people off people he should have killed, and he just went, "Oh, they don't actually need to die. These aren't the droids we were looking for. Those aren't the people we were looking for." Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just trying to put it all together, and it, I mean, and it he makes can sense to feel me. his son on the Tiberian shuttle in Jedi, and he's all, "No, let him go." It's an old code, but I was going to let him pass. Yes, let him go. Come on, why else would Vader do that? Yeah, if he was truly bad, he's an undercover agent working for working for the rebellion. Yeah. Well, his whole his whole plot was to overthrow the emperor anyway. If you look at that, if you are you a fan of the uh, um, Force Unleashed video games, where he has that secret apprentice and he's trying to, well, where he's yeah, tra- no, he was trying to build his own army on the inside of the inside that he had the inside of, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know uh, it kind of sounds crazy, and when I first say it to people. 
they think I'm a lunatic, but when I actually explain it out, generally it's okay. No, because you know, just thinking about it and connecting, connecting it all together, it, I mean, it really does make sense. It's uh, it could be it something that they could play with. Than... Yeah, but there's nothing. But unless you read, unless you read between the lines, you're really not going to. You're really not going to see all that. You have to really look at it out of. And a much, much deeper level. Do a full-on Kaiser Sose scene at the end of the movie to explain all the things that people might miss. Highlight the names, highlight the faces, the ones he let go, the ones he didn't. Just as long as Even you don't if people get... don't get the nuance. Just as long as we don't get Brian Singer actually making a Star Wars movie. Oh, God, no, 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 Sorry. <laughs> Okay, I'll go uh, psych. We'll go psych instead of Kaiser Sose. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be horrible. I, I don't think I don't think Brian Singer can handle it. I mean, who no. would you like to see direct a Star Wars movie? Uh, ben like Wheatley. the one I'm. Oh God! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that would be slightly psychotic. <laughs> He wouldn't do it though. He 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 hates big studio things like Rob that. Zombie. Keep... Yeah, we need little Hitler midgets in the Star Wars movie. That that's something that the world needs. Yeah, chain like light chainsaws and clowns and yeah, dude, a Rob Zombie Halloween movie. That's pretty scary. It's funny though, man. Like I would like to actually see somebody make like a spoof video of that, like Rob Zombies, Star Wars and Halloween or something. Halloween and Star Wars or something, you know? Like, what about you, know, Zod? For the Who story, would you like? I'm going. Uh, maybe somebody more like Cheng Su Vuk or um, uh, Han Bak Choi. Uh, they're Korean directors. They did um, the one did. Um, the good, the bad, and the weird. All the moving pieces in that one would have been really good. Or A Company Man, which was a really good movie, uh, espionage, uh, political thriller. Not somebody who hammers you over the head with the details. They actually try to finesse it in there. Reservoir Dogs in Space. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs in Space. I like that one. Actually, like maybe not Tarantino, but I think um, Robert Rodriguez could probably make a really cool Star Wars movie. It'd probably be silly as hell, but it'd be fun. I think it would all take place in the cantina, and they'd have like lots of space Mexicans in it. Yeah, Danny Trejo in space, Cheech in space, all them guys up in there. <laughs> um, it would be crazy. Let's see. I would just, I would just like to see more of uh, Donnie Yen in Star Wars, though. That's one of the sad things about it. I love that character and seeing him in the. He, he could just... probably have a prequel movie about when he was young, yeah. and they could do like some like Jedi like, Ip Man Ip movie Ip with Man. them. Yeah, yeah, Jedi Ip Man. They actually see him with a lightsaber. <laughs> uh. Still done with the Spy Kids, though. I don't know. I'm kind of going. Oh, yeah, for Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. Sorry, you'd have to mix the two, and it would be a little bit psychotic. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know... The dude who did Predators about, could. What about Paul Verhoeven 
for Star Wars. <laughs> Verhoeven for Star Wars. We need boobs, blood, and um, cussing to be allowed into Star Wars movies. Otherwise, Ooh, a bowl for Star Wars. <laughs> wow. We are going to get dude, all ten of the people that were actually listening to us are now gone because you said that. Ooh, a bowl. Oops, there I dropped the blood. Yeah. Ooh, a bowl is a friend of the show. I'm just kidding. If he's listening, like we love you. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh, Rampage was really good. I Did you finally that. watch it? Yeah, the first you one. Fi- you finally seen the first one. I, I told you. I, I mean, it. it I it's mean, not it as shows. good as Hardcore Henry, like you said, but it, it's cool. I mean, it, it's it's a cool film. Did we lose? Did we lose our caller? Well, thank yeah. you, uh, Meg, for calling in. I guess we lost our caller, um, but. I mean, she had a lot of good points. She was yeah, it was really about, interesting theory about Star Wars. That was a deep theory. I, 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 you know, I vaguely think that I'd heard something like that before, but like not on the level on the level of depth that she was was going with. She really kind of, I mean, she was opening it up to all sorts of possibilities. But the idea that Darth Vader is really just some, you know, under, over, like deep, deep undercover agent for the for the rebellion essentially is 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 fantastic but it kind of makes sense when you look at Darth Vader's actions as a whole everything that he's ever tried to do it's like he's always trying to overthrow the emperor and in the end he actually does so it's yeah he's he always does. thrown in he's always undermining a little bit Right, so you realize that throughout the the course of the films. So to to think that there's like a huge big picture behind it, like uh, like kind of like that a, everybody's in on it, like everybody is in on it, like Kenobi, like it was like the one thing, like they had to put aside their, in a sense, it's like they had to put aside their friendship. This had to be real. I had to almost kill you for you known but knowing that you were as powerful as you were you were going to come back you were going to get close you were going to kill the emperor it's really really deep when you think i mean cuz cuz it really adds so many layers and even i mean even when you look at the even when you look at the prequels you can kind of apply her theory because when anakin learns that that you know um palpatine is the emperor he you know he's not really you know He's not, he's not happy about it. First. Yeah, he's and he's not this... complicit and he's conflicted. But then maybe he's smart enough to realize, and maybe Mace Windu, you know, yeah, Anakin has to kill Mace Windu to show his loyalty, loyalty to the Emperor. In a sense, in in a in a way, it is all again just a means to an end to eventually get close enough to the Emperor so that he can kill him or he can be in position to help someone. Yeah, him. because it really would have to be a hard sell. Wow. To, to get oneself yeah, in that. No, position. but I mean I mean when you think about what, you know, what he had to become. I mean, he was just this whiny kid and he had to become this galactic badass to be able to throw overthrow the ultimate villain of the galaxy. That is that is a deep theory, but it actually makes sense when you look at the Star Wars films in a whole. I'm going to go back and rewatch the entire, rewatch the entire saga and think about that because it it really does. You know, there's a lot of little hints that that could very well be what the case is, but it makes me wonder. It's not explicitly stated, but maybe they all know it through. Maybe they all know it through the Force. Maybe they can all feel it through the Force. They all kept saying. 
he's going to bring balance. Well, maybe the prophecy was wrong. Uh, reading between the lines, you have to stop to think. Maybe that's well, what it's he, all about. Well, you had to, to, to bring balance. Sometimes you have to take everything down to zero and completely rebalance it. I mean, you can't you can't balance it with one because at, at the point where it, it started with Anakin, the Jedi's ruled everything, and the Sith were kept way down. There was no balance. So then the Sith came, and even with just a few members, just to, to our, so it was seen to tear apart the entire um, Jedi Order. But all it really did was bring balance bring it down to two or three you know what i mean yeah. and then then that's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thought if you break it down to thinking about it like that and almost a scientific type mathematic way of actually and also, balancing something out also you have to think about all of the things that that vader himself had to do to cover the way he really felt from the emperor it couldn't have been easy for him to hide what he was really doing, and maybe that was one of the great things about him. I think that that's why powerful Jedi, and I think that that's one of the reasons why he needed to disfigure himself so badly. If you think about it, because the pain, he would be so angry because you know the, he has to hurt all the time. His legs got burnt off. You know, he got his, he's got an arm off. I mean, he got he got thrown in lava. So I mean, like. No matter what, I bet you his mind would be hard to read. Oh, yeah. And the Emperor, he's looking over and just like, oh, yeah, dude, this guy's pissed off. I got him right where I want him. But basically, he's just thinking about, Jesus, I need another Vicodin. My fucking burns are killing me. I can't wait till I throw this guy in a pit and get the hell out of here. And the only only way that he could accomplish this was by turning on by turning on his best friend for the greater good. He turns on Obi-Wan knowing that that is going to and and remember when he choked out when he choked out his 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 wife Padme, he didn't kill her, he choked her out. But I guess she wasn't in on the she wasn't in on the whole Well, that that's I the have, thing when you when you got a when you got a girlfriend that's kind of simple, kind of stupid, kind of privileged like Padme, like you can't really leave a big secret like that on her lap. I mean, she's not going to keep it very well. Yeah. So essentially, it, it. But it. But it just. But then it just goes to show the tragedy of the whole thing. He. Because remember, Vader thought that she was going to survive, and and that that's another thing that adds credence to to the theory that Meg had, the theory that if she if she really if he was really evil. He would have killed her. It wouldn't have mattered. He would have just killed her like she was a fly. It wouldn't have made any difference. But he loved her and 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 believed in her and thought maybe that she was going to be a component and that she was going to survive after she gave birth to their children. It's it really may all make sense to me now, and it kind of makes me see you know it kind of makes me look through Hayden Christensen's bad acting and think about it a little bit and say, you know, maybe maybe it was maybe that's really what it was all about. The only way to topple the emperor was to get close enough to him so that you could kill him, especially after he found out what he actually was instead of you know, cuz he had a relationship with him to begin with, but once he found out 
how evil he was and what he was really about that was really the only way he could he could do it was to infiltrate it from the inside it really does make sense as an overall theory and, wow. and it would it would probably make a great set of books like like if somebody I, I, I John Grisham is coming to mind but maybe a little bit more intense maybe like get get like a type of book in that vein that just like breaks it down and kind of like runs you through the events as actual through Anakin's head while he's Star Wars, Star Wars for dummies. I, I well, really Star, Star Wars deep cover or something like that. Just break <laughs> yeah. it down as like a total espionage thing, kind of like the movie Anthropoid or one of the, one of those like wartime spy movies about like having to do one of the really hard sells and just like maybe do it as a series of books that coincide with probably the, maybe the films even. And I, hell, we might actually have a fortune on our hands. We, we could rip this girl off and, Jesus, fanfic, here we come. <laughs> I mean, no, but it sounds, I mean, it just sounds amazing because when you think about it, I mean, it actually, the whole that whole theory, and she says she came up with this theory when she was five years old that Darth Vader was never really truly a bad guy. And I get, you know, and I get that now, and I kind of, and I kind of see it like that because it's like you really... Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had to kill. He had to kill some people. Yeah, he had to do some evil things. But so did the characters in Rebels, and 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 in and in Rogue One. And maybe that's why he really didn't like little dude in white in Rogue One. Maybe he saw that this dude, it's it'll be easier to milk Tarkin for what I want. This guy's too ambitious on his own. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go right. ahead and throw throw a monkey wrench in this guy's gears because I can use this guy better. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Tarkin was clearly devoted to the cause, one thousand percent. You know, and Krennic, all he wanted to do was just climb the corporate ladder in hopes of becoming the Emperor's right hand man. You know, that's what he wanted. I mean, he was. I mean, he was trying to ass kiss. And I, I was remind. It was funny because I know. I know you don't like The Walking Dead, Johnny. But the last episode of The Walking Dead, there was a, the char- a character he tried to kiss up to Negan, and Negan Negan him. gutted him gutted him like a fish he walks up to him and he's trying to because he's basically trying to uh to schmooze him he's trying to schmooze him he's the son of the he was the son of the of the woman that ran the ran the hilltop i I think it's i i I quit watching in season three last thing i saw was when the chick with the fish mouth got bit by a zombie and killed herself man and he he was uh so well anyway he was trying to he was trying to uh talk negan into into putting him in charge of of the group that Rick was in charge of and you know Negan kind of you know strode him along for a while kind of the way the almost almost in the exact same manner that you know Vader kind of handled Krennic and I was reminded of that and I thought of that scene and that with the way Negan just Negan just cut guts him like a yeah no well because he's like and I, I, I well I know Jeffrey Dean Morgan I know how he sold it he was basically like you know what man like I don't like Rick because I know that the character, at least from the, what I know of the comic books, Negan. the characters yeah. hate each other. So yeah. he's like, I don't like Rick, but he knows he can trust him. This guy over here is trying to play me. So I, if I gotta have to pick one of them, I'm gonna pick the little rat-faced cow, crybaby cowboy who's, that I who's least, out there that I, who's predictable. For me. Who's predi- I know he's, what he's, he's going to yeah, do. He's out there working for me. He was he's out there working for 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 Negan right now. So you you can't. Yeah, I mean it, but but the idea was—it's no, on the that, same level, yeah. Kind of like how you, Vader was looking at uh, Krennic, going like, 
yeah, dude, you're you're telling me what I want to hear, but you're not going to do it. This guy, he's Play-Doh in my hand, so you're dead. Oh, yeah. yeah, even even the the idea that Krennic thought he was going to get one over on Tarkin was was the fu- was the funniest part because it's just like it's just like just the very by you just mentioning them by name was just enough to anger Vader, and he was just lucky he walked out of there with his head on with his head on his neck. Because if, if I, I was Krennic, I was Krennic after I got choked out, I would be, I would defect. I would find Jen, what's her name? I'd go get Mads Mikkelsen. I would bail, and I would, you know what I mean? Like, but he kept trying to play his little game. He was an idiot. He really did get what he deserved. Really? Yeah, he but, really was stupid. I mean, I have to admit there 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 weren't aren't a lot of aren't really that there weren't really a lot of dumb characters in Rogue One and he wasn't dumb per se he was just too ambitious by for his ambition. own good yeah and he and thought I that mean, if he was he thought he was if he played the long game he would win which was kind of silly because like we pointed out earlier he was up against second and third in charge of the empire so like i don't know really how i he, mean it, it, to me it's kind of like at that point when you're when you're in that position, you almost got to think of it almost in a corporate manner. If you're in that position, you're either going to join that team or you need to find somewhere else to be because you're not going to go. Like you said, if you if you were you, you would have defected, and I completely agree because if there was no way he was going to be able to work with Vader or Tarkin, then he should have just gotten out of there while he could have, and he could have defected. Yeah, no, they would have took him. There were a lot of opportunities for him. He could have sold out the Death Star. The Empire would have pardoned him. They would have probably put him someplace nice. I don't think that they would actually like used him as a leader or anything, but they'd have probably like, you know, hit him somewhere and forgot about him, you know what I mean? But he had to have this stupid ambition of being the Emperor's but boy, and like it's like, dude, that place, that spot is already taken, and you ain't stealing it. But you're trying, and that's cute. But it's it, it ain't gonna work out. <laughs> yeah, son. yeah. The man, the man in white who keeps trying to pull the wool over the over the man in black, it just isn't happening. <laughs> there's just there's just no there. I mean, and and when you look at the and when you look at the cape being this really bright, almost royal white color. Did you notice it? And yeah, almost it, like it was shiny. It was, like, it was like satin or, or silk, yeah. and it just glimmered when he walked. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was like, dude, you, you, dude, you are you are as pretentious as you could be at this point. There's Flamboyant no way. is the word for yeah, it. Yeah, you're holy crap. The guy was crazy. <laughs> like, like, wow. I, I just, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed the exchanges between him and Tarkin. How he always tried to keep his cool and tried to maintain respect, even when he was when Tarkin was basically cussing well, him out. And Tarkin basically <laughs> broke it down. He's like, "Dude, you screwed up. You know you screwed up. This th- this Death Star, it's mine. I get the credit. I get everything for it." And he was like, "No way." And he went and tried to, to go over his head and try to schmooze Vader. It didn't go over well. And the idiot kept. I mean, like, he, he was a decent villain, like, especially for, like, movies of that genre. Nowadays, usually we get a villain that we don't even get to know. So at least we got to know Krennic, and we got to know his ins and outs, even if he right. was a bit of a dipshit here and there. But, man, like, his optimism to his ambition was just so obtuse. I mean, and, he, and, and, and what I love about that, though, what was nice to see is it's nice to see such a flawed character 
it's nice to see a guy that, you know, he's kind of a well-rounded character. His ambitions are obvious, but he, he's so he's flawed, and his biggest flaw is the fact that he won't let go of his ambitions, and that's exactly what what Vader told him. It's like it's like you got the best advice you could have gotten, period, when you were choking. You should have listened and backed off that, either defected or started kissing Tarkin's ass because there's Yeah, no... and just, just accepted your spot because uh, your two bosses ahead of you that were blocking your way to the big boss aren't going to let you pass, dude. So either kiss up or, or bounce, and he kept, and he got. And, and either one, and honestly, either one probably would have worked out better for him. Although I suspect that that even if he would have tried to kiss up, there wouldn't have been much hope for him there because they didn't like him anyway. So his his best hope really would have been to defect. You know, no no other option really for him. But yeah, he. I, I, He's just, yeah, he was he was a lost cause. But he was a great character, too, though. That's the other thing, you know. You yeah, have... he he was like the guy that the rest of the, the rebel, or the emperor leaders stood around a coffee pot or a water cooler jug, like telling jokes about, oh, did you hear what Krennic did? And, and like, he, he was trying to get past that. He really, and he had, he actually had something good working for him. And and you get, you can almost feel for the guy in, in, in a way. Because everybody's kind of had a, a, a problem like that at their job at some point. But sure, yeah. At some point, you just got to be like, either you leave your job or you just do the job. And um, yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> and, join, and join in with these people who you otherwise thought were assholes. There's really no other option for you. <laughs> so he, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess he's, I guess it, it. But you know, again, it just goes and it just goes to show you how hated his character is because he's never mentioned anywhere else in any other other movies. And they had to do that; they had to make create a character that was uh, that was a villain, but was going to be so hated by the two main villains that you you know that there's a reason why his name is eliminated from history. Makes perfect sense. Or uh, they might. I bet you they'll name drop him in episode eight, but it'll be in some kind of a disrespectful thing. Like Kylo Ren will call a screw up, tell him he's acting like Krennic or something. I bet you like that's in the works, probably in some film in the future. But like there that's about some... maybe the only way you hear the man's name. Or though maybe maybe they'll be maybe Krennic will have a small scene in the in the upcoming. Uh... Han Solo early adventures movie. Oh God! Making. Why do you even got to bring that up? <laughs> which, which, I, which I'm not excited about. But I did want to make one mention before the end of the show about the the Han Solo fan film that was released on the internet. Uh, I believe it was last week. It was called Han Solo. I believe it's called a Smuggler's. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it. Is the whole film out? Smuggler's Run. The whole film is out. It is 13 minutes in length, and I have to admit. It is really well done. It's very good. the The live action film that they're planning to do the this guy that they actually that they got for this uh, fan film actually really looks a lot like looks similar in you know to Harrison Ford. Uh, Jackal had pointed out that he looks a little more like a a young Robin Williams than a Harrison Ford, but he still looks more like Harrison Ford than. The actor that they have. Well, so, so does Disney have an actor for for the um the Han Solo movie? Last I heard, it was between Coral from Walking Dead and Dave Franco, which fucking Dave Franco really? Come no, 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 no. You know who it is? You know who it is? It's the guy that 
it's the guy from uh it's that that short guy from uh Hail Caesar. I I, I didn't see the movie. I just remember seeing Channing Tatum dancing around in a sailor outfit in the trailer. I don't know his name. I I don't know his name at all, so I I couldn't tell you. Um, but I but that but that Han Solo fan film is excellent. And one one thing for you know science fiction fans out there, uh, Doug Jones plays the main villain in that in that film. So and just... Doug Jones is epic. He played Abe Sapien in Hellboy. He um, was in a really good remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I mean, he is, he is without a doubt, a remarkable human being and a great actor. So support anything Doug does in the story. Oh, that film. And the, the, the correct name for it, and I don't know why it slipped my mind because I did see it uh, several times. It's called Han Solo, A Smuggler's Trade. And it is called, a Star Wars fan film and is currently... Available for free to watch on YouTube. Yes, on the YouTube. So I would, I would uh, highly recommend it to any Star Wars fans out there that want to see, want to see a, a well-made fan film. Of course, that you know Darth Maul apprentice uh, fan film that came out last year was phenomenal as well. Was that the one with the the the, the the chick licking the lightsaber and stuff? Where I always see ski, screen caps of that. Uh, well, you had yeah, you had. Uh, Darth Maul hunting down these Jedi. It was an incredible film. It was really well done. Um, I, I think, and he kind of, and he really, the actor that they have playing uh, Darth Maul in the film, really, you know, captures the, you know, the mystique of of Darth Maul from Episode One. So it really was kind of, it, it really was. Does well he do all the flips and together. the spins? Like oh Ray Park? yeah, he does all kinds of great martial arts type stuff the like flips and the spins. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. You should definitely check it out. But I, I highly hate Darth recommend. Maul. I, I really, I, I highly recommend the Han Solo Smuggler's Trade. It's a very good fan film. It's only 13 minutes long, and it's, and I mean, it tells a, it tells a complete story from beginning, middle to end, and it is very nice. I think, uh, if the Han Solo movie that Disney's planning to make is half as interesting as this, uh, Disney will have a win on their hands. But I, I don't really think so. I don't even think Lawrence Kasdan could save this Han Solo. Uh, Movie that they're going to make, I just, I, I just can't get behind the actor that they got playing Han Solo. Yeah, and why I didn't really, they get Shia? Come on, man. Shia. And I really have no desire, honestly, to see a young Han Solo movie. To be honest with you, this, this fan film is about as far as I would really want them to go when it comes. Is it like to... based off of like a Star's End or like one of the, like the the early Han Solo no, books that came you know, out? It actually tells. I think it tells a pretty original story. It's about. Uh, it's about Han Solo uh, trying to to rescue his friend from captivity, and he's also trying to make a deal for a for an ancient Jedi artifact. I think they should get Tom Holland, make it about Han Solo in high school, give him a fat Asian friend, and somehow work Robert Downey Jr. into it, and then they might have a hit on their hands. But I still won't support it like I don't support Spider-Man Homecoming. But that that'll probably be a winner well, that, for them if you did that. That's definitely, you know, that's not definitely another topic that we can discuss at some point. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I I really hope that Rogue One continues to uh, dominate the box office. It's done. Well, it's like, it's at almost three hundred million worldwide. I um I yes. saw yes. So, yeah, the more money that this movie makes, the better. So we will tell Hollywood that this is the movie 
kind of movie we want to see. So people go see this movie five or ten times, man. I'm going to go see it again tomorrow, I think, or sometime this week. Um, because yeah. everybody's out holiday shopping, I hope, and I can sneak in and get a, like a nice small viewing of it without too many <laughs> kids or nothing. I've seen it. I've seen it twice already. I'm hoping to, uh, hoping to see it at least one more time in theaters before it gets its, uh, it's just, video it, release. It, it's it's amazing. It's the type of film that you kind of at least have to see once on the big screen, just just because of the scope of it and the scope of the battles in it. it. It it's vivid. It's it's very lush. It's shot like one of the classic films, so you get a lot of throwbacks to it and. It's just really neat. If you never got a chance to see the original Star Wars in theater, which I didn't actually get to see, I did see the recut with the new special effects shit in it, which wasn't special to me. But seeing something like this, it it, it's it was like watching a real Star War in the theater. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it, it definitely did put the war back into Star Wars for real. You you got the sense that there were really really high stakes in this movie, and it was. And the good and guys was... lose. The good guys yeah. can lose. The end of this movie will tear your heart out. Like they're taking off, man, and boom, Star Destroyer hits, and you and you just see the Admiral. But see, this is why you never. This is why and... you never see. Yeah, this is why you never see any of these people because all, any of these memorable characters. But that's a testament. And, to and this that's movie. why Princess Leia's ship is hauling so much ass at the beginning of A New Hope. It is leaving from this turmoil. So you're like you you get to see like why all those people well, in the hallway get slaughtered in at the Vader, beginning. Vader is Vader is purging. So if that ship doesn't get out of there, there's no way the princess gets out of there because Vader's not afraid to kill. That's clearly what we're what we've seen there. And like you said, you pointed out Jason Voorhees and Halloween. You you made a very, oh yeah, very great you point. you just the, the the you got the rebel soldiers. They're trying to get the door open to get the plans out, and it just goes dark, and you hear whoosh, and you just see the dark room light up red, and Darth Vader's in there with them. And he just starts cutting him to pieces. And he's bouncing fools off the roof. You've never seen Vader like that, man. It was terrible. No, maybe, maybe in a video game, but not in, uh, not in the, uh, in the, in the way that we've, we've wanted, we've needed to see him on film. Which is why I cannot understand if you're a true, uh, Star Wars fan, how you could have any issue whatsoever with Rogue One. And where it or if stands you're a person Star that, Wars. You're a channel. person that cries about, oh, the crap that Hollywood churns out year after year. It's the same movie. It's blah. And then you go and trash this on top of it when it is clearly a movie that's trying to change all of that. I mean, and on that note, and on that note, we have to uh, we have to cut we have to cut the live feed here because there's another show coming up on psn-radio.com. Uh, that is Skywatchers Radio. That's coming up next. So if you're listening in to uh, PSN, please stay tuned for that. And we are going, uh, Johnny and I are going to continue talking about uh, Rogue One in what I like to call our extra our extra moments section of the show. This is something new that, I, that I'm trying where we, where we go on a little After bit longer. Party. During the during the podcast edition of the show that will be uploaded sometime tomorrow night, so so we're gonna stop it here. But Johnny and I are gonna continue our 
our discussion, and you will be able to hear the rest of it tomorrow. So thank you very much for listening to tonight's episode of the Zod Rider Show, and please stay tuned for Skywatchers Radio. Stay classy. So so here we are, are Johnny, and we are continuing our discussion. De Niro! Shout out to De Niro! This is... This is fan. This is fantastic. I mean, I mean, we've we've talked for two hours. We had an amazing, we had an amazing caller. So I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Meg for calling in. That was really awesome. She had a fantastic, fantastic fan theory, and we, and you and I, um, probably the know, most original thing I've ever heard a, a yeah, yeah, fourth fan come really, up with. To tell you the truth, really, I mean, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it was really original. It was fantastic. And it, and you know and it got me rethinking. I mean, because like I said, I definitely want to go back and rewatch all of the films now. It actually kind of gives me a little bit of respect for the uh, prequel trilogy, a little more respect for it than I had before. Because now I'm starting to understand that you know that if that's really the case, yeah, you kind of have to look at just how deeply layered of a character that Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker really is. So that's that's. You know that's a wonderful, you know that's a wonderful theory. So again, thank you very much, Meg, for bringing that up. That was really unexpected and awesome. So we, we you know, let's, you know, and and that was of course the only call that we got during tonight's uh, live broadcast. I I uh, I was kind of hoping that uh, we would get a call from uh, the Jackal, but he's. Been, I, I had he's a buddy, been, uh, my my good buddy online Chase. Um, he was going to call in. But he is traveling due to the holidays tonight, so he wanted to apologize because he was really looking forward to this episode when I told him about it. But um, I just wanted to let him know if he listens to the download of this, man. It's all good, buddy, and you could call in any time, buddy. All right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I, I thought I thought maybe I, – I kind of thought that the Jackal was going to call in, but I know he's he's kind of feeling a little under the weather today. So maybe yeah, and, and he, he he's got an amazing video that he's, he's going to lay on us whether he really hates it like he's been telling us he ha- does or if he's been actually doing a world-class cra- trolling on us and he actually likes the film. Neither will surprise me, but when I talked to him the night when he got back from seeing it Sunday night, he seemed legitimately bummed out and pissed. So he's learned how to troll since I've met him. Like, yeah, that's all I got to well, say. Well, that's, well, you know, that's something that, you know, comes from years of dealing with trolls. I mean, we, yeah, no, he yeah, works you with know, me. you know, Johnny, I mean, we've had to deal with so many trolls oh, over the, the years. The wars is, and the, and the, yeah, the oh wars. God, I am so happy that Nolan is directing like World War II movies and not doing superhero stuff anymore because I, that I, 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 people are still arguing about that crap and it's, like what four years since rises came out jesus christ oh my god God. i i still remember the episode of the zod rider show that we did where we talked about were you on that episode where we talked about dark knight rises maybe and and, uh holly hollywood oh no 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 no. i didn't do any shows with him i i i i I didn't i never liked that man okay so you were not uh, you were not around i did one with you we talked about amazing spider-man but i didn't get too many words in because daily butthole spidey wouldn't shut up about the amazing information that only he knows about (laughs) yeah we had that was that was interesting and again again folks if you're listening to this this is not part of the live broadcast this is what we consider what i'm considering the it's like after, after party, after segment. after show, after segment. party, whatever. I don't. We're I don't in the really green room know right now. What to call it yet? Because you know, it's just a few extra minutes 
of show because I know we have to cut we you know we cut yeah. off because of the next show and sometimes we're not done talking about what we talk about. Oh yeah, about. like I... I was talking about people that complained about how crappy movies are now and how they they're just made for little kids and there's nothing thrown in for adults and and then they still go and trash this movie when it is clearly the the thing that we have most that's actually trying to fight against that with us this is this is the movie people should be supporting in my opinion i mean this is this is a game changer this this is not only just a movie that made for fans to to really blow their minds but it's also something that that made one of the most lighthearted, kid-friendly cheeseball studios ever release one of the most profound and groundbreaking war films that's been put out since what saving private ryan thin red line one of those i mean those were the last movies that actually hit well, on you know, a level you know like what this. movie you know what movie's getting a lot of good press right now and i don't Axel know ridge i haven't seen yeah, it i was yet. just i was just and i was just gonna say the title uh i think that you know I, that movie's getting a lot of great press right now and it's it's mel gibson he's a phenomenal director yeah, it's being hailed as one of the greatest war films ever made, and I, I, you know, and I, and I would argue that this movie, being that Rogue One being a fictional film, a fantasy really film, on top of that, captured has really captured the the you know the depth of a war, of a real war film. Like you legitimately feel that these characters, what they are going through, is real and you do not and you don't question it and it's just it's done done so masterfully well i mean my god gareth edwards the director from godzilla i mean a man that i never thought i masterpiece yeah no a a guy that went from mr meh to the guy that i can't wait to see what he does next i mean i like monster monsters okay but see but this is what happens when the shackles get pulled off though johnny i mean look at well look at what happens Godzilla, he was probably under a lot of studio pressure. There were probably things he had to do that he would have liked to have changed or done differently as a director. Maybe his full creative vision wasn't being translated, but here... Which is a shame because he actually really got that movie made. He went to cons and pumped the shit out of it to actually get that film made. And if he actually got mandated and restricted on something that was basically his baby, then I actually actually feel bad for the man if I find out that that's true. And I I, I will take back some of the mean things that I will st- I said about him, but I will never like that movie. I'm just going to make that clear. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I you know I, I don't think anybody that can really argue that But Godzilla he got that movie not made, really a good you know what movie. I mean? But it was but it was nice to see him it was nice to see him come back and make Rogue One, and you can really tell what a talented director he is. I'm I mean, almost hoping no that. Doubt. I'm also hoping. I also hope that Josh Trank's able to pull something like this out. I mean, I don't really like his work either, but I feel was like. It, wait, wait, wait. Was it Josh, Josh Trank that was supposed to direct? He was supposed Rogue to do One, it. Was he supposed to do No, no, no. He, he had another. Um, there was another spinoff. Basically, when um, they announced. Um, the Force Awakens. They had. They said that um, Gareth Edwards and Josh Trank were both approached to make spinoff movies. So Trank was supposed to make something like Rogue One, but wasn't, made... he, wasn't he supposed to make like Boba Fett or something? Or Rogue? Was he going to make Rogue Squadron? I, 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 I don't do know. Like I, I don't. Squadron I don't know if I ever found out like what actual project he was supposed to work on. I just know that he had like a side project for um, Star I Wars Land. I could. And then I after they saw, I remember after, hearing that after Disney watched Fan Four stick, they dropped him. Sadly, like 
I don't know how Edwards kept his job after God silly, but you know what I mean? I, I, I'd say that those were both big ball droppings on both young directors' parts. So I'm, I'm happy Edwards was able to keep his job at Disney. And I kind of wish Trank can get something like that. And maybe I can see that he's actually a talented artist too in his own right, because I know a lot of people that go up to bat for him. I personally didn't like um, Chronicle and Fan Four Stick. It, it, the first half hour it was actually decent and then you can see that where the movie got taken away from him and it got ruined so I actually kind of want to see if you know he had a good story to tell there and maybe he can rebound that in his next film and I hope he gets that opportunity like Gareth Edwards did yeah it would be nice to see a him do a him do a Star Wars film I you know Star Wars seems to be that kind of thing that if you let the director i mean if this if rogue one is any indication of just letting the director follow his vision then this is something that more studios should be up to do with these films because really it you know when you when you it, hamstring it, a director it it all, all it does is hurt the film i don't think it's ever been successful when they hamstrung the director and the, they they he didn't get to make the film he wanted it to it all gets pulled back what happened in 1978 with Michael Cimino and Heaven's Gate and that that was what broke the young artists back you have to establish yourself somehow as a great artist while working within the same realm as like Michael Bay who and these other people who make billion dollar movies that are basically there's nothing wrong with them but they're, they're, they're not art they're not they're not meant to be anything more than silly fun. So you got these poor kids like Trank, like like Edwards, that are being thrust into this thing where basically because something some jerk-off did 30 years ago, they're never going to get trusted like how Scorsese um, uh, what, um, and a lot of those people of his era were able to pull out and do because at the time, if you were young and you could sell somebody on your dream, they'd give you the money to go make it. You know, you had you had studios like United Artists, which that was basically what that studio did. They found artists and they let them make films. Michael Cimino destroyed all of that with Heaven's Gate. I mean, he's a fine director in his own right. He made great films before and after Heaven's Gate, but he broke that back. And young artists in the film genre, especially in Hollywood, are still suffering for it to this day. And um, luckily... Um, Gareth Edwards is able to break free from that in his third film, and I think he's probably going to have kind of like a celebrity status, at least until he ruins it for himself, for the foreseeable future of his career. Yeah, I mean, with Rogue One performing so well, and if it continues to do well, I think he'll be able to write his own ticket as far as what he wants to do for his next project. And I and I hope he gets to do some more Star Wars because he's definitely... I mean, because def, Star Wars is definitely here to stay. I mean, it's been I would clear to... that we're going to get, you know, we're going to get Star Wars movies for, what, the next hundred years? I mean, it's... it's it, it, Until they stop making money. Same thing with the Marvel movies, you know what I mean? Disney's going to have... We're going to have two of them out a year as long as, <laughs> as long as they're making a billion dollars a piece off of them worldwide. Absolutely. And um, yeah, Edwards, I, I don't want to see him like do Rogue One again, but I would I would be very interested to see what his next vision of the Star Wars universe could be. I mean, you said Boba Fett, like I would I think he after seeing Rogue One, I think he has what it takes to maybe make a fucking brutal Boba Fett movie. 
I agree. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And, you know, when we were talking about, you know, the possibility of maybe seeing a Vader film where Vader's hunting down, hunting people down, like in, in the form of like a, like a Friday the 13th type horror film in space, that would be incredible. I wouldn't even be, you know what, I wouldn't even be opposed to like a found footage Vader film. Because oh, I think... God. Like I helmet think cams <laughs> type of thing. Vader is, Vader is such a such a brutal character that if they actually wanted to they could you know they could they could do it like that they could demonize him even further you know as our as our caller you know had pointed out about about vader being part of a bigger picture which which again i I think again i think that's a brilliant theory which is why i keep going back to it it's going to make me rewatch everything and think about it some more so but, you know, Johnny, I do want to thank you very much for co-hosting on tonight's show. It was great having you here once again, and, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll be co-hosting more, more shows with me in the future in 2017. I have one more show uh, this year, which is next week, where I have uh, Britta Phillips, the singing voice of Jem. She's going to be on the show. She's bringing along a bunch of her uh, music as a solo artist as well as going to be talking about her time recording. She's going to bring synergy. Are you going to get to talk to synergy too? No, she's actually going to bring she's actually going to bring a bunch of her solo uh music. Oh, did she did she do like some a couple albums? Did she do some rock and stuff after after the show? That that's cool. I didn't know that. She's that's, done that's some really rad. she's done some really really interesting stuff as a musician. She's actually got quite a couple of albums out and she's uh been touring a lot. I was supposed to have her on my show last year when I had uh, Samantha Newark, who's actually the voice of the character of Jem, the you know of the character. Yeah. But she w- and she was supposed to be on that show, but she couldn't because at the time she was touring. I think. Oh, you were going to have she... both. Je- you were trying to have both Jims on at once. That'd be cool. I was going to have Jem, the singing the, the, voice, the, and the actual the dialogue was... voice. That'd be cool. Yes. Yes. Yes, that was definitely something I was I was hoping to do. So, so this so next week's show will be with her, and uh, will there'll be definite you know there'll be a lot of music for that show. So it should be interesting. But I haven't really thought too much about what kind of shows I'm going to be doing in 2017. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing a lot more. So, so yeah, I mean you are welcome to co-host with me anytime, Johnny. I really appreciate. Oh, and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm always here. I really enjoyed the show we did um, last time with Leja. Great dude, just a character. His the video of of him with him chilling with us. I mean, he was just awesome. And I am um, tonight. I mean, it was pretty impromptu, but it was subject matter I was very familiar with and had fresh on my mind and something that I truly nerdgasm over. So when you asked, like, do you want to do a Rogue One show? I was like, dude, does Vin Diesel shit in the woods? Of course I'm going to do a damn fucking Rogue One show. uh, The whole point is is that, you know, you kind of got to do these kinds of shows when they're fresh in your mind. Because my issue was I kind of figured we were all going to get together and talk about it on the roundtable. But the problem is it's like the next roundtable that we're doing isn't until January, and then we're going to... And then by then, it's already going to kind of have been around for a while. And I'm sure we'll still discuss it, but... You know, yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're talking about it the week of. I mean, yeah, Red Letter Media and every YouTuber under the sun has made their video either loving it or bashing it. But like, we, we're talking about it while it's still completely relevant. You know, there you know really I mean? is so, no. There, you know, if what we would have waited till January, like we would have been just like the biggest Johnny Come Latelys ever. You know what I mean? That's basically. You know, like, you know what? I, you know what I've noticed though. You're absolutely right. 
I don't really, there's really no middle ground with Rogue One. Everybody, they, you either love it or you hate it. it. It really is one of those types of films where it just, you know, there's no middle ground. And, I, you know, I can kind of understand that because... It's polarizing that, as hell. That, sub, that subject matter is not for well, everyone. It's well, the, the thing is, is when I went and saw it, there were, and it was a midnight showing on a Thursday night, parents brought their children... And the little kids, they, they kind of really didn't like it. And I, I can see why. Because like how I talked about when I was a kid and I watched Empire, you know what I mean? It bumped me out. You know, I didn't right. want to I didn't want to see Luke get his hand cut off and Han Solo getting frozen in carbonite. And Rogue One's like ten times worse, thousand times worse than any of that. So Yeah, they kill I, everybody. So, we're, so, we're so I mean, I can understand youngsters and certain people that are that like the more innocent Star Wars, you know, I, I can kind of see their point of like having a, a problem with, with the really kind of dark, brutal tone the film had. And fair enough. That's all I got to say to those people that actually have that kind of... Because a, there a, is because there is a, a, a very, very different... a very, very vast difference in tone between Rogue One and the rest of the Star Wars movies. The closest in tone to Rogue One is The Empire Strikes Back. And maybe you could say maybe Revenge of the Sith because there's a lot no, of I would never there, say that, but not really because the tone really still isn't as isn't as drab. Rogue One captured the war tone completely, so there's really no there's really no contest there. I, I and and you know the final question I want to ask you about Rogue One before we wrap this up is what did you think about the title screen for Rogue One? How very simple and basic it was. And how they call the movie when they released it, they call it Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. What do you think about the fact that Star Wars wasn't mentioned anywhere? Like when you when it said Rogue One, it just said Rogue One. There was no Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. The title card was just real simple. Anyone could have made I, it. It was just very basic and just. I I'm, mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, Zod. I'm gonna be honest with you right now. I've never really completely been in love with the crawl. You know what I mean? Or the, the the overdone opening scenes of films. You know what I mean? Like in the 90s, we had to like watch a 10-minute music video of cast and credits and like all kinds of crazy CGI swirling around before every movie. And I've never been a fan of that. So this movie, it says Lucasfilms, long time ago in a galaxy star, far, far away, and bam, dude, it's happening. The ship's coming down. You, Mads Mikkelsen's telling the kid to hide. You got, oh, and, and it just starts, and it just keeps going, and... Um, I had no problem with it. I actually prefer yeah. it to probably no, most other no, Star Wars no, openings. Yeah, I had no problem with the simplicity of it either. And I, that's why I say all these people over there complain, oh, it needed an opening crawl. No, it didn't. And that's really all I'm going to yeah. say about it. Go it eat your, go eat your member crawl. berries and then just come watch the movie and be like, remember the AT-ATs? Because they're in here. They're, there's nostalgia for you. They're just not a fucking crawl. So get over it. <laughs> exactly. And so on that note... We are going to end the Extra Minutes segment of the Zod Rider Show. Uh, and again, listen in, because 